All right, Steve, I got the cocktail sensation that's about to sweep the nation. This is an Uh-oh. idea I had this week, and I want to go ahead and put it out here. That way we'll all know it's trademark dead and lovely. You heard it here first. This Exciting. is going to be the next big thing, okay? Okay. So you've seen these things where you can take like a bottle of vodka and you infuse it with all kind of candies and stuff. You got these sure. people making uh-huh. like a Skittle vodka. Yeah. They'll use like Jolly Ranchers or whatever. I got this idea that I'm going to go on the Amazon. I'm going to order up a whole bunch of them Harry Potter Birdie Bots beans, right? Uh-huh. I'm going to make me some booger vodka. Booger vodka. I was wondering <laughs> where it was going. Was it going to be dirt? Was it going to be black pepper? Didn't know. Booger, booger vodka. vodka. Uh-huh. Yep. That's going to be the next big thing. Give me a shot of that booger vodka, barkeep. Hey, barkeep, please. Make it extra book of vodka snotty already. for me. <laughs> then you make special shots with it, like the beam me up snotty and stuff oh, like that. Booger vodka and an egg white. <laughs> oh my Ugh. god, that's called that's called a sinus infection. <laughs> god, this episode's disgusting. We gotta get the fuck out of here. It's gone too far. Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to the newest installment of the grossest horror movie review podcast. Here with the most immature and childish host mm-hmm. with Hello. the most. It's me, Uncle Ben. Me, Hollywood Steve, and we're here this week to be talking about a horror classic plus booger vodka. We're talking about <laughs> Rosemary's Baby. We're going to get all deep like into this thing. We're going to do some catching up. We're going to have some fun. If you just want to get to the movie, there's a timestamp for that in the podcast sure description. Is. Just go to there. You're going to miss the good stuff. I warned you. That's ya. true. The good stuff is ya. always us dicking around up front. That's what mm-hmm. the people come here for, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> it's like when you go to a restaurant and you're like, you know, the, the mains are okay, but the apps are really where it's at. That is, yeah, you know, you get your you get that appetizer sampler, and then you're like, I don't even need a meal. Are we the O'Charlies of horror uh-huh. movie podcasts? Yeah, yeah, you get your, what do you, the three potato skins, you get the the mozzarella sticks, and, uh-huh. and, and three chicken tenders, I believe, so. I think that's right. There you go. I mean, <laughs> that's us. That's us. <laughs> and we send you out the door with some ooey gooey caramel pie. Oh, man, that stuff is rich. Boy, howdy. I tell you what. <laughs> it's really good. By the way, if you've never had caramel pie, I mean, it's rich as hell. It's super sweet, but. But it's a thing. It's real good. Yeah. It's a thing. Steve, how you been doing this week? Great, man. Been great. Just kicking it. Uh, You know, not. uh not getting into too many high jinks, but Aww. I uh, I saw somebody yesterday, Ben. Like Who'd a person, you see? Physically. What? No way. Yeah. Impossible. From a distance. By the name From of Ben Eller. From a distance. That's where God was watching us. That's where God was watching us. Yeah, I saw you. You, you seen me. You did. I talked to you on the sidewalk yesterday. It was the first time I had seen you in months. I think so. I think yeah. it has been a really long time. I think there's a few times that I've done a beer drop and I've just like seen you through a door. Yep. Like at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that's about it. Otherwise, I think we look fantastic. That's true. We do look fantastic. We are kicking it. 
Uh, Your hair's getting long. It's very long. It's very long. And I'm glad it's not as hot outside anymore because it, I, it was starting to become a problem. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what. It's beautiful outside in Tennessee right it now. Is. I've it's got, nice. I've got them windows open right now, so Ooh, you guys are going to be perfect. treated to some extra Knoxville street noise. Uh-huh. You might hear some of the brand new crackheads we got down here. Yeah. You're going to have some fun if you listen in the background. It's all about go, Foley work. Go Vols! Okay, I want to <laughs> buy some crack! <laughs> That's it. That's, That's what they Knoxville. say. There it was. <laughs> oh, is that a tiger? <laughs> yeah, we had a tiger scare in <laughs> Knoxville last week. That's all that anybody could talk about. Somebody called it in to the cops and said that they saw a tiger yeah. walking around like the downtown area and stuff. It might have just been a big old like mountain lion or cougar yeah. or something. Because we do have those. Most likely. We do, yeah. It also might have been somebody who was a crackhead and just saw like a fucking golden retriever. It was like, Probably. Oh, tiger. More likely. More likely. <laughs> I'd say yeah. it's very likely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the fun times, the excitement that we have here in 2020, right? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, but I, I've been having a good week. How about you, Ben? I've been good, man. I've been fucking busy. It's been hectic and everything, but I've been good. And we've been getting in the Halloween spirit. Of course, you know, Halloween starts in September, as we all know. Do you think Busy Phillips, uh, whenever people ask her husband what he's been up to, he says, I've been fucking busy. And they're oh. like, oh, a lot of work, oh. right? And he's like, yeah, work. Right. I get it. I get it. (laughs) Dude, we've been already getting in the spirit and watching some of our Halloween classics. And this year, we had the pleasure of experiencing something very fun. Because not only did I watch Ghostbusters the other day. Oh, yeah? But we got to watch Ghostbusters with somebody. And this is so rare and so special that if you can ever get this, you need to savor it. We got to watch Ghostbusters with somebody our age who has never Mm. seen ghostbusters is do what uh-huh that would be our friend josh's wife brooke brooke had never seen ghostbusters she had never seen ghostbusters so we got together and uh, we watched that movie and i'll tell you what it was so fun watching that movie that i know like the back of my hand inside and out with somebody who had never seen it before yeah uh because you get to experience all the just like holy shit what was that you know like yeah. all the fun stuff but then also if you didn't grow up with that movie it's weird. You don't well. It's really weird, and you also notice like the weird time gaps and stuff in the movie. Yeah. Like basically, like right after they secure, you know, the old fire station and stuff for their base, they're out about to bust their first ghost, and they've got like the the proton packs and Already. stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and the the traps and the containment system, and Brooke was like, "Hang on, did I fall asleep? Where did they get all? Where did they get those from? What is yeah. that? What's on their back?" Yeah. And I was just like. That is just one of those leaps of logic that mm. we've all just learned to deal with. It never shows how they came up with that shit. No, it doesn't. Not at all. I think, yeah, I've, I've never even considered that. Wow. Huh. Yeah, I'd never noticed that about it, but it was really fun getting to watch that with somebody who'd never seen it before. And just as a heads up, the movie is still fucking yeah. the best. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw it as an adult and I hadn't seen it in a long time, just all of it hitting me like... I think you see, you know, I had seen it so many times as a kid. You see a movie so many times as a kid that you don't actually absorb it. No. Yeah, you just know it. Yeah, you just know that it's there. But yeah, finally seeing it and it's like, wait a minute. 
Gatekeeper, Keymaster, Zool. I don't remember all of this. <laughs> what is happening here? There are demons and shit involved. Uh, Do you know if we're still getting that Ghostbusters like remake, reboot, whatever this year, or is that uh, not off? this year? Yeah, they they pushed it to next year, I think. Um, but yeah, that's that is coming. I I'm, I think it it's done. Like it was supposed to come out in October. I'm pretty sure they're they're done with it. Mm. But uh, it's just uh, coming out next year. So Word. we'll see. Yeah, we'll see about it, man. But yeah, Ghostbusters fucking awesome. We also watched. Um, one of our favorites that we watch at the start of every Halloween season, we watched Paranorman the other day. Oh, okay. Great. Still which awesome. I love. Mm-hmm. It's, dude, it's just like always the right thing to watch, man. Such a fun movie. Like uh, the production company that makes that and a lot of the other, you know, modern stop motion movies. Uh-huh. They really, really know what's up, man. Yeah. Really good yeah. stuff. Uh, watched The Witch. Hadn't seen that in a couple okay. of years. Probably since, probably since we did our show on it, I guess. Oh, wow. I hadn't seen that in a couple of years. Man alive. God, I love that movie so it's fucking a great much, movie. man. Absolutely. It's so good. Yeah. And I think in non-horror related stuff, this week for my pick of Monday, where mm-hmm. we watch a different documentary every Monday, I chose to watch the first couple episodes from the Dark Side of the Ring series that you had mentioned yeah. on previous podcasts. Awesome. Yeah, you, uh, you told me about this, and uh, I realized that I had skipped the first season. Because wow. you you were watching the Miss Elizabeth and uh, and Randy Savage one, right? Which is the first one of the first season. That's the first one. Yeah. I started with the second season. I didn't know that there was another narrator. I, like, Jericho's the narrator in the second season. He does a great job. Uh, awesome. In the first season, I don't know who that guy is. He Somebody Southern. He's very Southern. <laughs> he do, they don't use him as much as they use Jericho in the second season. So, uh-uh. but uh, wow, uh, Dark Side of the Ring, so good, fucking awesome, dude. I was like, I mean, obviously already interested in the in the subject matter and stuff. Uh, I watched the first one, which, like you said, was about Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth, and I watched the second episode too, which was about the Montreal screw job, right? Mm-hmm. And. Dude, it's like not only is the subject matter awesome, but the presentation and the yeah. editing and like the little reenactment bits that they do uh-huh. are so good. And the interview spots with the guys are so candid. Yeah. Man, I I really thought that it was fantastic. I'm definitely going to watch through all of them, man. I saw that yeah. there's like a, I think a Road Warriors episode. Yeah, that just one all is kinds great. Of shit the Road Warriors episode is great. The Owen Hart episode uh, is, you know, sad. The yeah, Chris Benoit double episode is Whew. very sad. Dude, the the thing with like the Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth episode though that I didn't realize is like how much they were bringing in like their real life relationship stuff into the storylines and things. Uh, yeah. that's real yeah. fucked up. That's real fucked up. <laughs> very fucked up. Mm, man, it yeah. was dark, dude. It was yeah. real fucking dark. Really sad. Uh, I want to watch more, but it's the kind of thing that I probably got to space them out because uh, yeah, they're dark. <laughs> you watch anything good this week? Yeah, yeah. You recommended the Andre the Giant documentary a few weeks ago, so Ooh. sat down and watched it. Enjoyed it so much. It was great. It's uh, so good. It's, it's all, so good. It's also sad because of all the you know pain and stuff you had to deal with. But uh, I think mostly it was a, a pretty uplifting like look at uh, how cool this guy was. What an interesting life he led. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Yeah, there's there's plenty of celebration of his life and his larger than yeah. larger than life personality and all that stuff as well as like his, you said some sad stuff. I didn't know about his farm in North Carolina. 
Me neither. That I mean, that's interesting to me. A lot, like I I know that's kind of a like Zach Galifianakis also is a farm in North Carolina. It's huh. kind of like apparently you can move to North Carolina and be famous, and people are just like, I don't care. Who <laughs> I don't know him. I don't talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, I, I I guess I I can't see that working in Tennessee though. Like if in Jefferson City. Growing up, we knew there were wrestlers that lived around, and we wanted to, like, run into them. I can't imagine yeah. you know Andre the Giant has a farm, and you're just like, yeah, whatever. You see him in town, Especially it's like North Carolina. seven feet tall. Like you, You're not going <laughs> to run up and be like, hey, uh, hey, Andre, what's up? Are you Andre the Giant? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you might be Andre the Giant. No, no, it's not no. me. <laughs> Anybody want to pin up? <laughs> yeah really good documentary very well done yeah i enjoyed that um i also started a show called the orville ben the orville the orville um is it about uh, redenbacher it is it's about orville redenbacher and it is filthy he just fucking <laughs> left and right orville redenbacher like to fuck that's why he created popcorn he didn't have time to cook the corn <laughs> We got to get, get this corn done so we can get back to fucking. Yeah. Uh, no, The Orville <laughs> is uh, Seth MacFarlane's space show, which oh. is a perfect clone of a Star Trek uh, show. It's If you love Star Trek and you have not watched The Orville yet, watch The Orville. It's just really? Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, they... It's it's almost like Seth MacFarlane saw what they did with the Star Trek movies, what J.J. Abrams did, and he was like, you know what I could do? I could just make Star Trek. Like, I could make the show that people love instead of, not that I hated J.J. Abrams' Star Trek, but it was not anything like what Star Trek is. Right, yeah. Star yeah, Trek yeah. is a Way lot more, more like, stuff. yeah, Star Trek is a lot more talking, a lot more diplomacy, a lot more mm -hmm. of a lot more of what most people would consider boring which is why star trek has a very specific fan base but yeah uh, nerds am i yeah, right exactly <laughs> <laughs> geeks uh, the orville uh, really scratches that itch if you've uh, if you've missed it really feels a lot to me like uh the next generation and uh like uh Deep Space Nine a little. Uh, Deep Space Nine was probably way too deep for the Orville. I don't know, though. I'm not too far into it. I've only seen six episodes. So uh, I love it, though. I'm enjoying it a whole lot. Sounds pretty awesome, man. Is there any like noteworthy cast members or anything in there? Uh, Well, Seth MacFarlane stars. Uh, beyond, I mean, no, beyond that, nobody uh, that uh, you would know immediately by name. But I think the cast is great. They do a great job. They, they picked some good people for sure and i like their alien designs a lot of them are very simple which is something that i think people if if you've learned anything from you know 60 70 years of sci-fi television it's that the simpler you make your aliens the better it's gonna be over time because mm -hmm, can you imagine yeah. putting on that wharf makeup as to be a klingon every time uh they shot an episode of the next generation like that would have take taken hours and you'd be there under the lights for days wearing this hot ass makeup it would be the worst and not to mention for years on end like yeah. when you talk about people doing these special effects makeup things for movies it's like and it lasted every day for a month and it's uh -huh. like dude that motherfucker playing wharf had to do that for 
years. Yeah, yeah that ran, <laughs> well, I think Next Generation was like six seasons or something, and then they've made several movies, and he was in Deep Space Nine, and I think in some other stuff. So, like, yeah, I can't imagine. So you want it to be simple. I, one of them is basically she just has, like, a little nose ridge, and her ears look a little weird. But it, it's super effective. It's like, yeah, that's probably what an alien would look like. Yeah, I mean, I got an ain't that looks like that. Uh-huh. I don't see her on nothing but the holidays, but sounds just like her. I think she's pretty weird, too. Is she from another planet? She's from another county. Oh, same thing. What's yeah, the might difference? as well be. Might, might as, as well, well be. be. Peoples from Hamlin County ain't nothing like Jeff County peoples. I don't get them. They go to totally a different, different Olive Garden than we do. Ooh, I can't even imagine. I went to that Olive Garden one time. Too much salt. <laughs> just too much salt huh that was the problem <laughs> that was too the much problem. salt <laughs> did you guys get into anything on the old dead and lovely streaming chat we did we night? got into something uh you know that we've talked about a million times the prowler oh yeah dude we've yeah. talked about that movie but i've never fucking covered it have we yeah well see the thing is it's like every time you, <laughs> you, yeah every time you rewatch it it's a reminder that it's a boring movie it's just it's that boring. Tom Savini's effects are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's really much to it other than that. That's frankly. it. Yeah. Beyond that, the movie's like, ugh, I don't care. But Tom Savini's effects, just so great. So it was enjoyable. I mean, I, I we obviously always have a fun time, but it, it, it was yeah. a boring movie. So much good stuff to consume while we're all staying home and being good, responsible people and not spreading the deadly virus to one another. There's so many things to choose from. And Steve, just thinking about all these options, it's got my, my appetite worked up. I think I need to throw a beer in my face. I would like to get a nice, delicious beer sandwich in me. Yeah, just a just a full face full of beer, <laughs> and we've got ourselves something here. Whenever I sent you on the sidewalk last yeah. night, I give I give you one of these. I got these co beers from excited. the Merchants of Beer in uh, in Old City Knoxville, mm-hmm. and this is a Clown Shoes Rainbows are real. We've had a couple of Clown Shoes beers yes, on have. the show, and, and they we have, have enjoyed great. their works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They make yeah. things that are nice. I got a four-pack of these, and I had one of them the other night. And I'll tell you this, Steve. I felt like I was a real weed eater whenever I drank <laughs> this thing. Okay. So I bought a it because on the top eater. of the can, <laughs> yeah, on the top of the can it says Hazy IPA. Right. But then whenever you, like, read the description on the side. Yeah, it's got some terpenes uh, in it, it looks like. Yeah, exactly, man. It says, from the mythic hammer-wielding beast to intergalactic agriculturist. Here at Clown Shoes, we think about some crazy stuff. But even we can barely comprehend the natural wonder of a big, beautiful rainbow. We will forever remain in awe of these massive swaths of vibrant color that stretch forever into the horizon. This hazy IPA contains the terpenes, beta-pinene, and linalool, aromatic Mm. compounds derived from natural botanical sources. They supplement (laughs) the sweet malt backbone and lively blend of Azaka, Citra, and Mosaic hops that make rainbows a real shine with fresh, juicy notes of sweet citrus. So I didn't know that this had terpenes in it when I bought it because sometimes that's a real hit and miss with me. Sometimes oh, it's yeah. a real swing and a miss, you know? Yeah, that can taste uh, pretty bad from time yeah, to time. It, it tastes like bong water beer sometimes. Yeah, you yeah know? that's that's the bad experience I've had where it does. It just tastes like bong water and not... It doesn't have... 
I guess what you're looking for with the terpenes is either the citrusy ones or the the piney ones, right? Yeah, the resinous ones, yeah. right? This is definitely, definitely in that piney resiny yeah, territory. Yeah, you can smell it. Yeah, I've got it as soon out as you here, open it. Yep, and it it's uh it's got a good smell too. It's also cloudy as hell. <laughs> yeah, it looks like some dirty old sink water. I predict that you're gonna like this a lot because yeah, like the the real kind of resinous here. nature of it, plus all the really juicy fruity stuff from the hops, and it's got a slight bitterness to it on the back end too. Uh, I thought it was really fucking good. It's definitely unlike any beer that I've ever had, so I look forward to seeing Dude. what you think about it. Okay. Yeah. So this is... It's... Okay, it is weedy, but, like, Very. positively weedy. Yeah. Like, it's not, like... It's not bong water, for sure. Right, yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of that thing where it's, like, you've had edibles that have a bunch of cheap garbage weed, and you're like, right, it tastes like weed. And then you've had other stuff made with maybe nicer things and you're like right. oh man like that tastes like some dank shit in there <laughs> yeah this yeah this tastes like it tastes good it tastes like um gosh what is the i mean it, i could taste citra but it's like it's got like this like uh, sweetness bitter mm-hmm. thing going on a good balance of the two not yeah. really and too it's bad not overly sugary yeah so i was gonna say not too like sweet not not too bitter but it, they're both there yeah, I think it's really interesting, yeah, man. That is I had this last week, and I was like, at first, whenever I had it, I was like, I don't know if I like this or not, because I traditionally don't like that kind of beer. But then I just kind of kept drinking, and I was like, actually, this is working for me. This is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, second drink of it. Yeah. it's Yeah, I'm into it. I'm thinking I'm into it. I, you it's know, got a little soapiness combined with the pine, which makes it like... A little pine solly? Yeah, I was gonna say there's some pine to it, but it's not it's not overpowered. It's not like bad. Yeah, I'm into this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Definitely unique. I mean, if you're looking for something like unique to try that's not just another weedy, piney beer and definitely not another just, you know, juicy IPA or whatever. If you can find yourself some of this stuff, go ahead and snag it because it's it's definitely different. Like, I don't know if I would want to sit down and drink more than one of these. I don't think I would do that. Yeah, it's got a lot to it for sure. It's I'm looking at it here. It's also got like a reddish hue to it. Yeah, a little bit, doesn't it? What is that? That's interesting. Hmm. It's good. Yeah, I'm into I'm it. Glad you like it for sure. Yeah, it's, it is definitely strange. That's right, man. If you guys want to help give us some beer money so we can buy more co beers, you should support this show on the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on over there. There you can become a, a one dollar patron and you you get the free episodes. Free episodes. You pay for episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's called bonus uh, content. Yeah, bonus, bonus content. That's what they call content. it. Bonus yeah. content. Yes. We just did um uh, the X Files home episode so uh, that that should be up by the time this is out so go check that out also that's right if you become a five dollar patron you get to do things like decide what movies we cover like this one which was chose by jen luke that's right that is right man this episode here is a patreon pick you guys always pick out some things that are awesome yeah you know what i'd say i'm surprised by your good taste but i'm not you listen no, to den lovely you like things that are nice yep. so you know what's I'm not up shocked. you know what's uh-huh. up you guys pick good movies and stuff so yeah sign up at the five dollar 
level and you get to drop one into the smoking bowl and uh, who knows maybe the next month's episode will be yours because we do a Patreon drawing once a month so it could be you this could be you you could be paying us to do the Wraith again (laughs) we do need to revisit some movies I think especially ones where we were super drunk when we were recording Oh my god, dude! <laughs> I'm thinking I'm gonna become a patron just so I can toss in a couple. <laughs> that makes you good. <laughs> but the thing is, you already know what they're gonna be. It's gonna be the wraith again. It's gonna be yeah. chopping mall. It's gonna be uh-huh. intruder. Just basically really shit eighties. Just terrible, slashers. terrible eighties slashers. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's gonna be. But you're gonna draw one. And we're gonna do it. So yeah, sign up for that Patreon page today. Join in the fun and uh, yeah, get some, get your pull. Hell yeah. Now, Steve, the subject of today's episode is, of course, Ira Levin's uh-huh. Rosemary's Baby. And one of the really defining characteristics mm-hmm. of this flick, one of the more memorable characters that we have is is Guy, who yeah. is Rosemary's man, her beau. Yeah, John Cassavetes. And he is a bad bow. Bad bow. He not good. He he he's very bad. Mm-mm. No, this might be more of the bow that we heard about when James Hetfield from Metallica said bow. It's more bow! like that. <laughs> bow. <laughs> he meant more like this, like yeah. bad. Bad, bad bow. <laughs> Hetfield no like bow. <laughs> bow. And this is not the first time that we've had ourselves a naughty horror husband or a very no. bad, scary movie partner. Mm-hmm. We've had plenty of these in some of the movies yeah. that we've reviewed here on our award-deserving show. So, Steve, before we get into the movie review proper, I'm just going to suggest that we take a little, little detour here into the preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. And Steve, I'd say now that we're here in the preview palace... Maybe let's just take a second here and figure out if Guy was really all that bad in comparison to some of our other shitty horror partners that we've talked about in the past. I mean, right. he's a he's a naughty guy. He's yeah, self-centered, he's, not the best guy. He he is willing to uh basically give up the world just to become a famous actor. So, yeah, I call him yeah. I call him bad. I call that bad bad man. <laughs> not a good person, really. Not a good person. Not a good no. person. But uh, let's compare him to some other not good people and see if he's as bad as we really think he is. What do you think about that? Yeah, okay. How about we start on, let's say, the less extreme end of the scale, you know? Because whenever okay. we reviewed Sean of the Dead, right, we definitely yeah. noted that Sean, you know, while while a lovable guy that we all grow to love, yeah. uh, he's got a big character arc throughout the movie and stuff, not exactly the best boyfriend. He's very not forgetful. Very good. Yeah, very not very mindful forgetful. of his lady. Yeah, but also he doesn't he doesn't prioritize Liz, which is really his his issue. I think is that he doesn't make her a priority. Yeah, but yeah. he is a young guy who maybe isn't interested in settling down. I'd say he should be clear about that with Liz. But he isn't selling her baby to Satan. So I'd say a pretty clear guy's probably worse, right? Yeah, I'm going to say yeah. less bad. I'm going to say yeah. less bad. Again, you know, he, he is a little bit mundane with his restaurant choices and stuff like this. Always sure. want to do the same thing all the time. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, yeah, I think guy's worse. Yeah, I mean, listen, hey, not, not remembering to make a reservation 
pretty shitty. Okay. But again, right. letting Satan uh, rape your wife. Probably worse. Pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. <laughs> now, how would you compare that to like, let's say, what's that boyfriend in that first Scream movie that turns out to be <laughs> one of our Ork? killers? Yeah. Skeet Ulrich. That's right, yeah. man. Now, he's not a great guy. He, uh, he, he does some mischievous very bad things. <laughs> yeah, I'd say uh, he and Matthew Lillard probably take pretty pretty high up bad boyfriend awards. Uh, Matthew Lillard really just uh, dropped Rose McGowan quick, but True. yeah, they they tortured Sydney. So he gets her to give up her virginity, which she is holding on to like it's uh, gold, and then uh, also he. Uh, Apparently, it wants to set her dad up for a bunch of murders. I mean, that's a that's pretty bad. Didn't he also? Did he rape and kill Sydney's mom? Yes, he okay. did. Yeah, not not a great guy. Not a great guy. So if you add up the the rape murder of her mother, the murder of several of her friends, and the <laughs> attempts to set up her father as the the person responsible for all of that pretty bad it's pretty pretty bad yeah yeah i'm gonna put that i'm gonna put that high up there but again i mean guy guy it seems would do all that as well like i don't think any of this is beyond guy i don't think so he also is willing to give the world up to uh satan yeah which is yeah, again, that's the thing. a little bit bigger but hey how does that affect their relationship yeah right maybe that's the oh wait no it is a big deal right because of the baby <laughs> yeah. right uh, yeah that's true <laughs> so no guy still sucks the worst <laughs> <laughs> let's say we we delve out of this a little bit let's kind of like let's talk about a bad horror girlfriend okay right mm-hmm. we got a lot of just like super sick males on this list but for hey, sure all those ladies, y'all ain't all angels, okay? No, not at all. Some of you guys are real naughty. Like, let's say, for example, that girlfriend and that get out by the Jordan Peele. By Holy the Jordan Peele. Yeah, yeah, Allison Williams, whatever her name was. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, she's not she, good. She's a very bad. Now, she's she is part of a huge conspiracy to replace the souls of black people with the souls of white people in black bodies because white people think it would be cool to be black yeah now it seems like she doesn't personally get into the killing at first but by the end we see oh no she's got no problem with any of this she's cold-blooded She'll kill him in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 fucked up, man. Yeah. So she's, I think, you know, in the same way that Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard had their uh, little uh, conspiracy going on, she's a part of a much vaster conspiracy, and she's just as cold blooded as them. That's true, and and even where like Skeet Ulrich was just trying to really destroy that one family. Yeah. I mean, how far reaching does this thing go? Exactly, it's like yeah. how many, you know, uh, black people has she brought home and taken them into the sunken place where yeah. we don't even know how long you last when you're down in there. Is it just forever? What's going on? Yeah, is that, it, that sounds like torture. Like, yeah. yeah, I would want to not last. I'd want to disappear. 
if that were the case yeah yeah so that sounds real 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 terrible i'm i'm gonna put that up there i mean it's a vast worldwide conspiracy very much similar to satan taking over yeah um an unborn baby's not killed so that's eh, you know whatever uh well i guess no there isn't an unborn baby that dies in this technically is there the baby is satan's from the beginning yeah Yeah. Yeah. so in that case i don't know i think this is almost even i think she's about as bad as guy (laughs) it could be man it could be because especially if that web continues to grow yeah bad old consequences for a lot of people right exactly yeah tell you that and there were a ton of people at that auction for his body that like it it seems like it must be a widespread thing so that's uh that's pretty much on par with the vast conspiracy to uh uh, make satan's baby the ruler of earth (laughs) (laughs) but not all of these bad relationships are attached to some sort of wide-reaching conspiracy that affects a lot of people sometimes it really is just a more personal one-on-one gaslighting fucking with yeah nuts kind of thing and we've got a couple of those that we could sort of oh, talk for about sure. here. let's go with one that's maybe a little less obvious which would be uh willem defoe and <laughs> robert uh oh fuck what's his name pattinson yeah exactly that's what pattinson. I said. Uh, there's an echo in here pattinson like i said pattinson, uh, pattinson. <laughs> their relationship in the lighthouse now they're not exactly yeah. they're not exactly boyfriends but they're boyfriends mm, for sure they're boyfriends yeah i'm they're, they're boyfriends yes and yeah he's gaslighting him like crazy we think maybe <laughs> unless there is in maybe fact, yeah unless there is in fact a, a sea god involved um we yeah he, he gaslights him like crazy just drives him nuts drives, drives him to stream alcoholism yeah i it's it's a rough one and definitely uh results in one death yeah but that's about it it's real isolated i mean it's well, terrible i don't know though if that lighthouse goes down some ships could be crashing upon the that's shore a good that could point. lead to more casualties that is he is he is leaving himself undermanned so maybe some other people would die but again that would it seems like that would just be uh you know a secondary result to his gaslighting he's way more interested in the gaslighting really just driving his uh his boyfriend crazy so it's terrible it's it's similar in some ways but not i don't think it's as bad as guy it's true too, because like yeah. at the end of the day, you're at least getting a lobster that you're fond of. Yeah, exactly. He is fond of his lobster, and you know the farts. <laughs> you know you got to deal with that with anybody. Your farts. <laughs> <laughs> God, that movie, dude. Oh, yeah, that's a that's fucking a great, great one. one, man. Uh-huh. Now, while we're on this subject of Robert Pattinson, I mean, he played a pretty fucked up boyfriend in a movie that we reviewed, what's known as Twilight. That's right. He sure did. Uh, that one's, yeah, that one's gonna be, this one's bad, because he is a monster already, beyond the boyfriend thing. Just, like, flat level base Edward is a monster. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) And he's, oh, you know, like a hundred years old or whatever, going after a high school girl. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he's real fucked up. He's like Woody uh, Allen. That's some Woody Allen, Roman Polanski type stuff. Um, so that's that's pretty despicable there. He also does kill a bunch of people uh, while also simultaneously refusing to give the teenage girl that he is uh, both like stalking and uh, seemingly gaslighting like I'm so in love with you. You got to stay away. You can't yeah, be I'm with bad me. news. Yeah, like it's just like the way he deals with her and the way he manipulates her mind is very, very terrible. It's some very fucking parasitic, toxic, yeah. horrible shit that he's trying to pass along to this high school girl mm-hmm. as being romance. And yeah. uh, God, it's fucking, it's fucking bad. And the thing yeah. about it is too is like because of the fact that he's immortal, you're like, how many other times has he done this, and how many more times will he do this after he's done with this next human? You know, like yeah, that's a cycle of abuse that could go on for thousands of years and yeah. destroy many, many, many lives. He's not yeah. good. And, and yeah, I mean, uh, if you, you go further into Twilight, you find out that the vampires have councils and shit. So basically, they do run the world or whatever. So it is it is on par with Guy. <laughs> like, we're, again, <laughs> talking about vast conspiracies, gaslighting, uh, you know, all the, the things that, that Guy is up to. So yeah, I'd say, I'd say Guy is... Uh, he, he is a pervert vampire level creep. <laughs> now he's bad, but I don't know if he's as bad. I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll talk about it here. Is he as bad as somebody who really keeps their girlfriend from becoming Nordic May Queen goddess flower slug queen of the harvest festival? You know, honestly, a guy who would keep his girlfriend from becoming the May Queen is is a piece of shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> look at all yeah. the pretty flowers. That's awesome. I know. The Harga, they seem like <laughs> loving people, right? Yeah. They got the little matching outfits. They want you to have a good yeah. time. They like to party, tripping balls. Woo! Yeah. A, I mean, a lot of, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, a lot of the boyfriend's Christian. problems. Christian, yeah. A lot of his problems are that he doesn't communicate but then he does actively uh, gaslight her and does he he is neglectfully abusive almost it seems yeah. like he he neglects her to a, a a point where it's like aggressive yeah totally yeah listen to our our episode that we reviewed midsummer on here recently to learn more about yeah. that there's all kinds of good discussion about that flick on that episode yeah i Hmm. He's bad. Yeah, he's he's very bad. I yeah, mean, he's I don't bad. know like how many lives he's gonna ruin throughout the course of just being a shitty, immature man-child boyfriend. Like, I don't know if he's exactly going to destroy the world to bring about the birth of the Antichrist or anything. Well, I mean, he he fucks over two people in the short time we know him. That's true. But he also doesn't seem to be very capable uh so like he doesn't seem to have any ambition i'm just saying he's not gonna take over the world and and whatnot but he does seem to have like the same lack of care that guy has like he would he would probably take the deal of yeah you can impregnate my wife with satan's baby because i now get to be more successful in my career i guess for him it would be his now uh, stolen academic career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But of course, yeah, not a good guy. Not a good the, guy. 
the positive thing with Christian is, of course, he dies. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> yay! Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, in comparison to Guy, not as bad. <laughs> I think one of the penultimate worst, most stressful, shitty relationships that we've covered on the show has got to go to the God creator him figure in Mother. Ugh. Which is just unbelievable, dude. That movie, yeah. I know, I know it's a love it or hate it. Yeah. I like that. I think lot. it's fucking yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah and a lot of that too. just is due to how fucked up their relationship it's is. It's really just, bad. He can't get over himself and his work, and he's so mm-hmm. self obsessed and like yeah. the way he treats the baby after they have the baby and stuff. Yeah. Holy fuck. He's a bad he's a bad boyfriend. He's yeah, a bad he's, guy. Bad he is very much on par with guy. Like just uh you know, focused on himself, focused on what you know, how people look at him, focused Doesn't more. care about the needs of his wife yeah. at all. Also doesn't care about his baby. Basically gives it over to all the people to have. You know, it's um I'd say it's on par. Like, yeah, that but then you know, it goes even further when you get into what Mother is really representing, and he's a representation of God, and uh, this, you know, weird, abusive relationship God has with the Earth or whatever. Uh, yeah. It, it, does, it does make it equal, like, equally as evil as what's going on with Guy and bringing back Satan on Earth, like... There's an equal level of malevolence and evil to it. So, I, yeah, he's he's terrible. He's the worst. <laughs> very, very bad. Yeah. Not a good guy. Would not friend on Facebook. No, no sir. No. no I, way, you know, no maybe how. I would and then just unfollow him. Oh, yeah? That way yeah. he doesn't. Just see what he's up to. Then you're like, yeah, yeah no, I'm not, I'm not giving you a follow, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got any other naughty bows you'd like to point out here? Uh, I mean, there's, there's definitely, uh, the dude in ready or not who doesn't tell his, uh, fiance <laughs> that she might have to run from his murderous family on their yeah. wedding night That's, to withhold a satanic pact or whatever. Yeah. And then tries to kill her himself. So yeah, not yeah. a great guy, not yeah. a great guy Withholding information. Not yep. good. Real piece of shit. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No good. I love that movie. All kinds of bad stuff in these movies, man. But I, I do think that what we're seeing in this flick right here really does take the cake. When you look at just the mm-hmm. worldwide, maybe even galaxy-wide implications of what this guy did, yeah. <laughs> just so he could get a shitty role in a fucking play or whatever. Yeah. What a dumb ass. <laughs> yeah, for real. I and they are like I just feel like, I mean, now that we're moving into Rosemary's Baby. Uh, I feel like you're, you have that apartment in New York city. You're already doing Yamaha ads and all this other stuff. Like your life's pretty good. Seems that way. Like, why not just see where things go before like, mm, maybe I should make a pact with Satan. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause it's Let's not like they years. were out. <laughs> they weren't like out living on the streets destitute like we just got evicted from our fourth place because I can't get any gigs but this nope. guy made me this offer it's like yeah you're right he had this just like beautiful young wife they had plans on having kids and stuff they could afford this amazing apartment and then he was like you know what though could be better 
Could be better. I could uh, be living head. in Beverly Hills. <laughs> That's where he wants to be. Yeah. With Weezer. With we- <laughs> Nobody wants to live with modern that Weezer. Song since it was popular. Because there's nothing <laughs> to think about. But <laughs> anyway. Uh yeah, he's he's fucked up. Yeah, guy guy's the worst. And it's uh, uh this is just one of those things where John Cassavetes, I don't hear people talk a ton about how great he is in this movie because Mia Farrow is so great and Ruth Gordon is so great. Like everybody is doing a great job, but John Cassavetes does a really good job of playing slimy and shitty. Yeah, totally. But also too playing this layer on top of it where I mean, just like the head of every parasitic, shitty relationship, it's that I discipline with you with one hand, and mm-hmm. then I coddle you with the other one, where yep. he'll do shitty things, but then he'll put on this like fake smile and raise an eyebrow and be Mr. Charming and stuff. Yep. Like He plays this two-faced, abusive, mm-hmm. you know, deep-seated, jealous, piece-of-shit, controlling yep. guy incredibly well yeah he does a great job with it it's It's pretty crazy that he can't get any gigs acting because he's such a fucking good actor (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah this i so yeah i'm glad we we started with with some bit about guy because i i think uh john cassavetti should get more recognition for what he does in this i know that uh in production apparently roman polanski wasn't happy with john cassavetti's most of the time because john cassavetti's is uh oh do you mean the child rapist Roman Polanski? I'm sorry, yeah, the child rapist Roman Polanski, okay. who is a child rapist. Just making rapist. sure we're talking yeah. about the same one, the same yeah. one that raped a child. Yeah, uh, we maybe do want, probably several. We want to make clear, we don't like Roman Polanski. The Jeepers Creepers episode, if you've heard it, we give a, an absolute zero because Victor Salva uh, is also a child Convicted rapist. Convicted child rapist. Convicted child rapist. And he made a movie uh, that is a very thinly veiled movie about how he is a child rapist and he got away with it yeah it's just bragging about getting away with the horrible fucked up thing that he did yeah Yeah. so that movie got a zero automatically for me uh this movie is not going to get a zero automatically because uh, one this is not roman polanski's story that he told this is an Mm -hmm. adaptation and a very direct adaptation of a novel and two it's not about that it's not in any way related to that couldn't be because up to the well, I'm not. I don't know. Up to yeah, this we point, don't know all the, all the sorted past. Yeah, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to spend the entire episode talking about his disgustingness. He's a piece of shit. This is a, nah, yeah. This movie though has a whole lot more to it. Yeah, uh, I think so. But but yeah, it's one of those things that you you can't separate. You, no, you, you can't not mention it. Yeah, you know, you gotta you you gotta look at it. And I do hereby vote that his name is permanently the child rapist Roman Polanski. Yeah, like to me, the what child really reminds me of Roman Polanski. Did you ever play um, the Zelda game for Game Boy? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you remember how you could go into an item shop and there was that thing where you could like steal from the shop, but from then on, everybody in the game called you Thief? Like yes. whatever name you chose and got deleted and everybody in the whole game called you thief the rest of the game. Yeah, that's a cool That's mechanic. the deal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that's the deal with the mechanic I have for Roman Polanski. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, the child rapist the Roman The child Polanski. rapist Roman Polanski because he that is exactly what he did. And there have been more than just the uh, the one known incident. So uh, this 
just there's no defending him and we're not going to no. spend any time doing it so no uh-uh, that, not at all that is uh, not in our interest but this book by ir11 that was adapted very faithfully by the child rapist roman Polanski. yeah apparently uh, he was so dumb that he didn't understand the concept of like oh you can make a, a book fit into a movie and make little alterations and adapt it he was like oh so you shoot it Line for line, right? Got it. <laughs> well, what a dummy. I mean, I I think there are two approaches though to to adapting. Like you, you know, you you have some books where you're gonna have to change some things. You're gonna have to move some stuff around to make it fit. And then some books that you probably could. I think this does fit pretty well, um, with just having things play out the way the novel plays out. Because I think maybe it was written a little with this in mind i mean because they did sell the the like before it was even sold for publish the movie rights were sold oh wow really yeah, it was one so, of those huh yeah i mean ir 11 was already a popular uh, writer so it, it makes sense you know we've talked about that before with like stephen king's books they've had you know tons tons of different adaptations we've done have had a similar situation where it was already sold movie rights are already sold before the book but when you have that happen that you the writer can actually kind of write the book in a cinematic style so it's an easier adaptation so maybe that's what's going on because again we know roman polanski didn't do a lot for the adaptation like he really the lines are directly from the book and like we're really getting the feel of the novel yeah, and apparently the original cut of the movie was like four hours long. So, yeah. so I gotta think the they book. really did shoot the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing, dude. Is like the audio book because I was really hoping I could like read the audio book before I did the movie, but I just didn't right. have time. I think the audio book is like six and a half hours. Yeah. So if he sense. shot a four-hour mm-hmm. movie, yeah, that's, that's pretty much right. the whole book. Mm-hmm. It's the whole book. <laughs> Ira Levin too. At this point, you know, he was a well-known author, and he also went on to write the stepford wives mm-hmm. yeah. uh, he also wrote the boys from brazil yep, all boys kinds brazil. of stuff oh uh, yeah he, he, he had a, a very successful career and obviously you know like when we say that uh, they just use lines from the book it doesn't feel that way though these aren't these don't feel like just written down lines they feel natural like the conversations yeah. flow well so yeah, it's not like watching Twilight where you can hear some of these lines and be like, "That probably looked good on paper." Right? And then you hear somebody say it out loud. <laughs> right? It's fucking just stupid. stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think uh, this does feel a whole lot more natural. So that that is again another good indication that the novel was just set up to be adapted pretty easily. So again, I'm gonna give a ton of that credit to Ira Eleven. I think he's he's mostly yeah. responsible for that. But this is shot gorgeously. And shot with a lot of long, continuous shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it really brings you into the reality of this. It scene. does. Yeah, I, I think this movie has a a flow to it, like a really consistent flow. You feel throughout the movie like you float from scene to scene. Nothing's ever very jarring. No, not really. Even yeah. though there are even some some time jumps and stuff, especially yeah. as the baby is growing and she's getting more and more pregnant. It's like. Mm-hmm. You know, suddenly it's Christmas time, and you're like, oh, okay, several months have passed then, I guess, but it yeah. never seems like this, like, what the hell did I miss? Yeah, yeah, it's it's really well put together, right? It definitely, uh, it, the editing, I would say, has a lot to do with it, but it, 
again, we can't take this away from the child rapist Roman Polanski that he did, in fact, shoot this very well. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, it's the kind of things, though, too, where you're looking at the sum of all the parts, you know? Yes. It's like the, the cast is fantastic. The location at the legendary Dakota yeah. Hotel, where John Lennon was killed several years after this movie. Uh, you know, there's a lot of just factors in this movie that lead to its greatness that aren't necessarily just attributed to the child rapist yeah. Roman Polanski. exactly. And I'll tell you, that's what makes it really tricky whenever you're talking about the value or devaluing of a piece of art like a movie because its director was a piece of fucking human garbage. Yeah. Um, it it sucks because, ah, I don't know, this is such a fucking gray area, and we'll talk about it more later, but it sucks because, like, the director did horrible, fucked up, stupid-ass things, and then as a result of that, the work of everybody that worked on this production gets flushed down the toilet. Yeah. I, I kind of feel, although this is not even remotely the same comparison, I was kind of feeling the same vibe for uh, like the new Disney Mulan where, I mean, right. you're talking about like thousands of people worked on this movie to make it happen. It was probably pretty good. I don't know. I never saw it because I'm not going to fucking rent that for $40 off of the streaming service I already pay for. Yeah. Well, and, that- and it's like the, the work of all those people is getting just flushed down the toilet because somebody at the top of the pyramid made this stupid decision. Yeah. But uh, it's still you know made money (laughs) like it's kind of (laughs) like one of those things where they don't care if we don't see it they know other people will have to watch it oh yeah i assume this wasn't the first time that you watched this movie right no it was not at all i've seen this movie so many times it's you know it's just one of those growing up that uh it's a classic uh but it's also one that unlike say the exorcist which i i didn't watch a ton as a kid this one it just had so much to it that i i liked like it looks great yeah like the color of it the feel of it i like the griminess of new york city in the 60s through 80s so i always like to see movies set in new york at that time because it's just just grime <laughs> just like, totally and it's like these filthy <laughs> beautiful apartment buildings yeah. and stuff that are like starting to get dilapidated uh-huh. when you look at that and you're like in 30 years that's gonna be crumbling if yep. not earlier you know mm-hmm. but it's like but right now it's gorgeous but just starting to fall apart like yeah it's a really really beautiful looking flick and yeah. too like this is a very important movie when you look at the fact that you know going into the early 70s we would be inundated with spiritual horror movies like the exorcist the right. omen uh and this, and this is, came this out is, in 68 69 yeah, what is this? 68 68 yeah so this is the beginning of that and in fact the novel came out in 67 the novel was the catalyst for a a, a rise in uh horror fiction mm. which like up to that point was kind of pulp like you know there were there were people like uh you know shirley jackson and whatnot who had done horror that was considered it was still pulp, but it was considered a little more respected. But this novel coming out at the right time, when enough people are both, you know, people are still reading, but people uh, are going to the cinema to see movies a lot. So to have this thing that 
people read but also was already ready to be made a movie and then uh the movie is is such a like great product really was the catalyst for so much horror that would come out after and it would be this you know devil related like psychological horror dealing with possessions and satan and all that stuff that would just be huge throughout the 70s specifically like just tons of those types of movies but yeah as you said the the exorcist would follow this and then the omen and then uh amityville horror and those are like four stepping stones to the satanic panic of the 80s (laughs) like yeah exactly really led to just all this I mean, that is from 68 to, what was Amityville, 79 or 78? Mm-hmm. So yeah. th- just a decade wow. that was dedicated to these movies and the four huge names dedicated to just devilry and, oh, Satan's got power, oh no. like He is here. He is here. And the thing about it is, too, is like I think that the, you know, the, the, the spiritual satanic kind of element of this movie as well as some of the other themes that are explored in this movie, couldn't have come at a more timely era than it did. I mean, right. considering at this point you're you're probably starting to come out of the flower power sort of era where you've yes. got all these young people trying new things and freeing up their sexuality and probably not being Christians and Catholics like their parents right. were and stuff. It's like this movie and all these other ones were really made to terrify middle America normal people. Right. Uh, that were still, you know, God fearing uh, average Christians and Catholics and stuff. But not only that, but you have this movie which, you know, you can look at it all from the spiritual angle, but really the movie is very much about women's bodies and the patriarchy and right. all this kind of stuff. And this is also coming right at the time when the birth control pill, when the sexual revolution, right. were all still super relevant, super recent talking points well yeah roe v wade wasn't even a thing yet it wasn't even a thing by then (laughs) yeah Yeah, there you go they do mention abortion in this movie they do she says that she's not going to have an abortion uh because you know she's worried that the baby is dead or sick or whatever yeah uh so yeah there's some there's some debate about that but yeah it is it's woman's body a woman's freedom uh the ability of anyone to push a woman around like in society like you every woman it seems just uh is is being pushed around by by all these things in her life like i guess you know what i'm saying fuck what am i saying (laughs) i'm (laughs) saying that mia farrow's character is a representation of of women and how women can be pushed around by all of these different figures in their life from their their husband to doctors to other women in their lives who have a bit more like age on them or maybe a a position of respect or something like they are at the mercy of all these different powers pushing them and this is just this representation of like their evil agenda corrupting this innocence and making it uh, terrible and at the end of the day all in the name of religion <laughs> yeah all in the name of religion yeah all in the name of control all in the name of uh just you know t- taking away 
any bit of power or happiness or, or like, you know, freedom that a woman can have. So, yeah, yeah th- and this is, yeah, this is really just like that worst case scenario of all of these institutions, all of these authority figures, all of these people who have power over you coming together to take the one thing that you care about the most. This, yeah, man. You know, it's 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 uh, I it has a lot more depth to it than I realized as a kid. As a kid, I was I like, think so too. weird devil, yeah. baby. Um, yeah, yeah. Like when you you know watch this movie the first time, especially if it's like a long time ago, you're just like, yeah, it's that movie where the the woman gets raped by the devil. Yeah, and that's what you think about, and you're like, oh, it's like another Antichrist devil baby movie, and it's like it kind of is, but it's not really all that much about that especially no. when you view it through that lens of patriarchy and feminism and yeah it's it's crazy it's so fucking crazy and stupid to me that the conversations that this movie is making us have are conversations that we're still fucking having yeah. like 40 plus years later yeah. this is still shit we're dealing with man like there's there's a particular scene in here where it's guy and dr saperstein and rosemary and they're all in a room together, and Saperstein and Guy are talking about the way she should be handling her pregnancy and mm-hmm. the signs her body's telling her and yada, 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 while she's standing there as if she's yep. not even in the room. And then just to, to make it even more ridiculous, which this probably wasn't intentional at the time, but like Saperstein's like smoking <laughs> in front of this <laughs> pregnant woman while they're having this conversation. Yeah. And again, I think that was kind of more normal back then, but now we, we realize even just how fucked up that is. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucked up. But do the degree to which her body and her choices and her life decisions and stuff like that are just made completely out of reach for her through this movie is just so fucked up, man. It's like, and the thing about it is, is it's all these like little tiny things that just add up into God damn. Will these people not let this woman just do something for herself? Seriously. Yeah. You know, because it's it's the kind of thing that while you're watching this movie, I mean, the way that we're talking about, you think that we were saying it's like, yeah, men fucking beat her up in every other scene, yada yada. It's like, no, they don't. It's just all these like mild, passive, yep. transgressive things that they do where it's just like, what are you reading? You can't read that book. Here. Mm-hmm. What? You're not going to eat your dessert? You got to eat your dessert. That, that other woman worked for it. Yeah. Like, just all these little decisions that men take away from her that she can't have for herself. It's just, it adds up to where you're like, yeah, she's not in control of anything. And I think that the loss of control and the loss of a person's body autonomy autonomy <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. my favorite word mm-hmm. <laughs> i think that that's really one of the core themes throughout this movie yeah. do you think yeah absolutely and uh i the choice of making her always look like a little girl like infantilizing her so that it's it's even clearer to the audience like Whenever she's around other people, they're dressed like adults and she's dressed like a child. Like, they're all taller than her. Like, every, yeah. like we're constantly being reminded by everything about her that she's, she is, uh, she is both powerless and, and, uh, infantilized, but she isn't dumb. Like, she's not, yeah. she's not. She's not letting these, like, she doesn't let these things affect her, but they register on her. She knows that they're treating her this way, but she also doesn't seem to 
have power to be able to do anything she tries to take that power like you know she tries to have the party with her young friends and tries to like i'm gonna see this different doctor and things but the it's like the whole world is set up against her which again is the message of the movie like the whole world is set up against women it's uh you know impossible to take power in a system where all of the people with power see you as a child that needs to be told what to do when to do it and how to do it right and that's the thing about this movie that i get too is it's like you said she's definitely she's not dumb at all she's like fucking sherlock holmes through most of the movie being like whoa he has pierced ears whoa Mm -hmm. their pictures were moved off the walls like she puts everything together and she's right about all of it like Mm -hmm. she's very fucking (laughs) smart but you know, you see that and you you go, oh, well, you know, she must be an idiot. She lets these men trample all over her and, you know, run her life for her and stuff. But then you've also got to think, too, it's like, I think that she doesn't know that there's other ways to live life than that. I think that she doesn't know that there's another way that she could live other than under this patriarchal boot. I mean, all that we really know of her past mm-hmm. is that she grew up in a very strict Catholic school. Right. Her parents were, like, super Catholic and stuff. Yeah. So that was probably the model relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That sounds judgmental to pass off, but I'm going to say no, maybe that was right. the relationship <laughs> that she that she grew up with, and that's all she ever yep. knew. Yeah, that yeah, that can do a lot too, for sure. Uh, religion and religious upbringing, especially strictly religious upbringing, you can have a worldview that just does not allow for other possibilities. And I, totally. yeah, I think that's exactly what you're saying. Is that she just doesn't, she doesn't know what to do when she does try to leave. Even she just like. She she had some money set aside. So again, as we said, she's not dumb. She's figured out like i'll probably i might have to run so she's got some money set aside she already has her bag packed which she said she was doing for the hospital but i think it was for this particular situation um she she gets out there but then it's like what does she do like she she starts to call for a new doctor first thing and the second that she tells him the whole story he calls her husband yeah, he but, turns her in. Yep, that that's what he's supposed to do. That's like it's not it's not uh, an issue he as another man is supposed to deal with. Basically, like the right. concept would be, even though he's a doctor, he still needs to address her husband regarding these issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's real rough. Like even even when she does try to get away, it's like it really does mimic in a lot of ways a, an abusive relationship very much uh it's it's a i mean i i think our 11 really tapped into a, a pretty good vein here about the issues or surrounding femininity in the 60s but turns out you know 40 years later well fuck 50 years later oh man it's been <laughs> oh, a while shit. since this movie 50 years Oof. later uh still a lot of the same problems i mean they, not they're, a lot of those changed yeah you know uh, uh the recently departed ruth Bader ginsburg did uh spearhead some changes in regards to that with women being able to go to a doctor and Imagine just talk that. to them directly without husband permission though uh women still do have to get husband permission for some things in some yep. states which mm-hmm. is fucking insane 
stupid. Fucking yeah, stupid. So, so some things have improved. A lot of things are still the same. Well, let me ask you this too, though. Like going back to her her Catholic upbringing and stuff, and how that probably molded her idea right. of relationships and her worldview and stuff like that. Have you thought about how much like how we talked about Danny in Midsummer was the perfect target for this right. cult, considering her family trauma and stuff like this? Um, Rosemary's Catholic upbringing made her the perfect pawn for this entire scheme because huh. Catholics, number one, don't use birth control. Catholics don't get divorces. Hmm. Catholics don't get abortions. All right. Yeah. No, traditionally, I, I'm sure. I'm sure that things might might have changed in some sects, but traditionally, and especially at this time period, yeah, that would have really locked her in to having the fucking Antichrist if they set the wheels in motion. Yeah, I didn't really consider that. Perhaps guy, like they moved into the building because of that. Maybe even. Like, how far does the conspiracy go? Did it happen that guy moved in, just so happened they moved in next to some Satanists and then they convinced him, blah, blah, blah? Or was this ahead of time? Because, like, yeah. the, the couple, like, uh, what's his name? Gosh, uh, the, the main bad guy Sydney Blackmer what's the name of the character fuck uh Roman the Roman yeah the Casavets yeah so Roman he says that he had seen a guy in a play and guy says he doesn't remember but we know later that all of their interactions in front of her are basically lies so was that a lie like had they already met right had yeah. they already made this deal before they even moved into this building I hadn't considered that too. Yeah. yeah, and then too, it's like I wonder if I think her name is Tracy that kills herself in right. the first mm-hmm. of the movie. It seems like she was probably offered the part of being the mother of the Antichrist and stuff. Yeah. I mean, they, why else would they pick up a former drug addict off the street and take her in and all that stuff if not to put her through the same ritual? You can abuse hear them talking and, through the wall at that one yeah. point, and and yeah, they're talking about that. So yeah, yeah, they were gonna use her, and then. Yeah, she she kills herself. Um, or was yeah. she murdered? Who knows? Or was she murdered because they now have this better option? Yeah. yeah, that 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 seems like it's the likelihood to me. But you know, again, there there's so much going on in this, like so much about the conspiracy that we don't really learn because that's not the focus. We're seeing everything through uh, Rosemary's eyes. I love that about this movie. The fact that everything that we see is just her perspective. I mean, it's not like yeah. first-person perspective, although it is at no, times. But, it's a lot of first-person yeah. and then just close-ups on her face and stuff, so that way we really connect with what she's going through and stuff. Um, yeah. But I really like how this movie, as a narrator, never shows you more than she knows. There's so many of those right. shots of, through doorways where it's just uh-huh. like... I love that shot where it's like Guy and Roman talking in the other room and all you see is their cigarette smoke. Right. Like, yeah. that's so weird and creepy. It is. It is. Yeah, I, I like a lot of what they did with uh, just representing and, and keeping us out of the loop, but keeping us also suspicious like her. So yeah. throughout the movie, like, it's I think it's impossible for us uh to have ever seen this movie the way people saw this movie in 1968 because Mm -mm. 
we knew i mean you know growing up rosemary's baby it's about there's a devil baby or devil whatever baby yeah but man what a shock this must have been if yeah you didn't huge know. what a twist the whole time you'd be like oh that poor girl like oh she's she's like you know delusional or or whatever and all these things bad things are happening to her and she seems to be sick or whatever like you might be suspicious along the way but then you know the the witch stuff and all that it does sound ridiculous so like you're kind of like the doctor that she tells the whole thing to it's like how do you deal like how would you deal with that it'd just be like no that's probably not like she's delusional most likely because you know witches that's what that's crazy but then surprise big twist at the end in fact they are witches and here's a satan baby like that twist had to be really effective at the time unless of course you know you'd read the book <laughs> right <laughs> in which case you kind of knew what was coming but yeah. man i i can't even i can't even imagine the shock of that no and there's so many moments in this movie that are genuinely just fucking shocking man i mean yeah. obviously you know most notably the the rape scene there where yeah, you just brutal you just see the eyes and you see the yeah. scaly clawy hands and there's that it's weird really green disturbing. smoke yeah super but disturbing it's also like you know because she's in this like weird dream state where she's been drugged by that chocolate mousse and stuff mm-hmm. and you're like is this a dream is she dreaming because it'd been like led up to with all the crazy weird dream stuff i love when it shows her super drugged and she lays down on the bed and then like in her dream her bed is like on the floating on the yeah. sea yeah it's like yeah. floating much like it does when you, when you fucking yeah, when lay you're... down when you're fucked up at the end of a night yeah. of partying or something like that like I love how weird those dream transitions are. So then whenever it it goes to this crazy devil eyes and stuff and the smoke and all that jazz, which, by the way, I meant to look this up. I heard a rumor that that's Anton LaVey playing the devil in this. Is that true? I didn't know that. I didn't hear that. I just I'm, saw I'm gonna it get on one video. on it real yeah, quick. Yeah, fuzz, get Fuzzbead to check that out. Tell him to put down the ledger for a moment and scope that out and see if that's true or not. But, dude, like, those scenes are so strange and surreal. And that's not the only, well, you know, in that case, it's not a dream. It's not, it's just a partial dream. But there's some other dream sequences in the movies that are are very strange, man. She has that one early on where it seems like she's dreaming about her time in Catholic school. And when the nun is talking, it sounds like the the voice is, like, really far away, which Mm -hmm. makes it feel really strange and dreamy. And then, like, I never really get the idea of what's going on there, but it shows all, like, the Catholic school kids in a line, and there's some mean-looking nuns, and there's these guys that are, like, bricking up the windows. Like, they're covering the windows in brick. I don't know if that is also, again, some kind of symbolism about growing up the way she did never allowed her a view to life outside of that Catholic dogmatic kind of um, practice. I don't know if that was what that was trying to say or if it was just trying to be fucking weird because it's a dream. (laughs) I think it it does that. It definitely does be weird. Um, It does be weird. But I think think you're right, though. It does have to do with, like, walling off her vision, not being able to see beyond that and, and stuff. And also, it's a, a nod to the future where she's going to discover that she can get through that uh, doorway mm. wall oh, yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, 
maybe that a little bit. Uh, anyway, oh, uh, by the way, Anton LaVey, uh, the, the, the rumor was that he was the technical advisor for the, the Satan stuff, and uh, it, is, it is false. Oh, okay. Well, that's no fun. I know. I'm sorry. That's no fun at all. Would have been <laughs> neat if he was. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Son <laughs> of a <busted>. bitch. <laughs> yeah, I think her dreams, though, like, they they do a good job of mimicking dreams, as in, you know, the way that things just sort of happen, and, you know, some things are familiar, some are unfamiliar, some Locations things are a little distorted. immediately. Yeah. Weird yeah. people are there for no reason. Yeah, exactly. So... I, I think the dream does a good job of setting up the potentiality that the uh, rape scene is, in fact, her dream. Right, because that could be an element to this movie yeah. where you're like, is the narration unreliable? Right. Is she, you know, is she making this up? Is this in her head or is this really happening? Yeah, I think watching it from a you know, modern perspective where you already know all of, you know, what's going to happen, it's, it, it is, the dreams are a lot less uh important i think they don't serve as much to you know make you feel like oh maybe she is delusional maybe this isn't real but they still work really well in keeping up the surreal quality of the entire film yeah very much so so they, they you know i i think they they're probably were a, a, a pretty successful sort of uh bit for anyone who was seeing this for the first time to sort of ease them into the dreams, make them feel like maybe some things are dreams and, and you're not sure. So that at the end, the the twist that it is in fact all real works a, a little bit better. But again, it's that twist is just not going to work on anybody ever again, I don't think, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, unless you grew up in a bubble, you know? Right. Yeah. It's so cool, too, though, how this movie does such a good job of, you know, it starts off with them shopping for the apartment and decorating and shit like this. And it seems so grounded in reality yeah. and normality mm -hmm. in the real world. Yeah, they're just sitting and eating dinner on, like, on the floor with just a, a lamp. I've done that moving into an apartment where it's just oh, like, yeah, that's so huge. hungry, don't want to unpack. Just, yeah, very relatable <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And then you get this hyper surreal fucking devil rape scene where there's like, yeah. man, there's the, the guy dressed up like a black priest. There's all the naked old yeah. people around her. It's crazy. It's yeah. so fucking weird. But then the thing is, is like that happens pretty early in the movie. Yeah. And then you spend the next probably hour and 20. It's a pretty long movie. It's almost two and a half hours. You probably spend yeah. the next hour 20 without anything truly supernatural happening on screen. I mean, we have like the guy going blind and then Hutch going into the coma and stuff like that. But there's nothing on screen from her perspective that is truly supernatural or impossible. Yeah. And then when we reach the end of the movie, there it is. There yeah. it is again. And it's also presented so plainly too. I love how she walks in and everyone's just, you know, there just doing their thing. Not everyone reacts to her. Really. It's just kind of like, Oh, you're here. Like, yeah, so normal yeah uh, and they're it, not threatened by her or anything no, because they're like yeah. what's she gonna do to us come on yeah so it's it's a real it's it's like that i would like to have experienced that twist back in the day that that probably was just like do what and then like when you do get the sort of flash to the baby's face as well like what is that baby i thought that was just a flash to her memories of like 
the devil's eye. I because guess, like, yeah. That's after she's like, what did you do to its eyes and stuff? Yeah. And then it's almost like she Yeah, remembers. I guess my brain's just putting that together. Yeah, but you're right. It, it. It's not the baby's face. It is the, the devil's eyes. But it is she's saying the baby's eyes, and then it flashes that memory of the devil's eyes. But it never does actually show the baby. I'm glad is, it didn't either. Yeah. That's like it, I think it's a very wise choice that they never smart. showed it. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they just showed her reaction, and I even like the just the phrase, what did you do to its eyes? Like, right. As if something super unnatural is happening here. Like, uh-huh. a baby isn't born this way. You had to have done something to it. Yeah. It makes it scarier than whatever they can show me on the screen. Yeah. And one thing about this movie that I was going to ask you about and see what you thought about it. I mean, considering she spends so much of this movie, you know, very much under this patriarchal heel Mm -hmm. and then she kind of breaks free and you know she ends up kind of being forced back into the apartment forced to deliver the baby and stuff but then she makes this like i'm gonna go in here with this fucking knife reclaim my phallic (laughs) violence object yeah and take my baby back Uh and then like you said she's very much diffused because these people are like not even yeah threatened whatsoever yeah and then at the very end she kind of gets this sort of like flush of maternal joy where it's like she isn't like you bastards i'll kill all of you like she kind of falls into well i have this baby i guess i'll take care of it what do you think that's about is that a Um, happy ending what is that trying to say i mean in some ways i think it's it's about you know uh you know motherhood can be that uh the the lead up to the birth is all sorts of attention toward you though it's also controlling attention i mean pregnant women have to deal with uh, literally strangers judging anything they do so like it's it's you know you're going from a point where everyone's paying attention to you to where now you're the secondary not even secondary tertiary like you're just off to the side while everybody's fawning over the baby right but they're also oftentimes getting in between you and the baby <laughs> like mm-hmm. the, the the mother and the baby aren't getting to spend as much time because the family all wants to to be there to be involved and the mother's taking a back seat now like i i think some of this is just that sort of feeling of of all of like you know how you know discard how how much focus is on your body when you're pregnant from everyone and then how uh, insignificant you can become in a second but then also as you said she does have that sort of flush of maternal joy there at the end which it's like it's like all the shit that she's gone through just kind of melts away in that moment where she realizes well but I did get what I wanted. Like mm-hmm. I did get a baby. Right. It's. I mean, <laughs> I. I'm not sure what it's is getting at. It definitely is is uh, an an interesting moment. Like almost like, almost like she's like, well, it was all worth it <laughs> for this in the end. Yeah. Which is a okay. No, I I don't think that's a positive. Which is again a good ending because it's twisted. It's fucked up. It's like, wow, she's really going to accept this role just because she wants a baby that bad. Yeah. After, you know, she had that baby because this web of people manipulated her, got her raped by the devil, Mm -hmm. lied to her about everything. Right. 
and now don't give a shit about her. Like, I think some of those themes that we see at the end there where she does, again, kind of seem to be overcome with this glow of motherhood. I think that it's almost some of the same themes that we saw them taking on in Gretel and Hansel. Uh-huh. Where the witch is very much viewing these maternal instincts and this want to fulfill that role as being a weakness. I think that right. in a way this story is telling us that the th- this patriarchal world that we live in will take advantage of your maternal instincts to keep you in this form of bondage, just uh, to keep you a baby yeah, maker. There you go. That's it. That's that you know? is exactly what it's getting at. Yeah. I think Again, you're I, right. I'm, I'm speaking from a place of just fucking, you know, right. straight, straight white guy. Duh. Of course. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't really know. Yeah. But I, obviously, we that's are what not I get out experienced in being pregnant women at all. <laughs> Never once done it. Never once done it. <laughs> I've been real close, though. I was yeah, inside it? of a woman. Well, my oh, okay, mom was yeah. pregnant with me, so <laughs> I don't close. remember a lot about it, but it, it was it was a thing. I mean, I'm basically an expert by now. Yeah, so. pretty much, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Yeah, that like, yeah, the the insidiousness at the end of just how how it actually worked, like their evil, disgusting plan, not only worked in getting you know satan's child born on earth but also worked in getting rosemary to take care of it yeah yeah i think so because again they're just using her maternal instincts against her at the end of the day yeah whoo fucked up man yeah super super (laughs) fucked up it is for sure what's interesting to me is is how little christianity seems to play into this movie at all (laughs) like okay so you think so interesting this is this is fun because i think that it's all up ends this movie. So from, where you're, from okay. your perspective, what makes it not seem to be that wrapped up in Christianity? She doesn't ever go to church. True, yeah. She doesn't go to a priest for help. She doesn't open up a Bible. She doesn't pray. Right. That's true, yeah. I mean, she addresses earlier that she grew up that way, but yeah. now she's just kind of skeptical and doesn't really know. Yeah, she never resorts to any of those things. At any moment. So yeah, I mean the the Exorcist, uh, the Omen, and Amityville all rely on the people turning to religion at some point. Even though yeah, the yeah. Exorcist, like she's she like very much loath to turn to religion at any point. Here she never does at all. Hmm. I guess not. Yeah. yeah. Now that I think about it, I didn't really think about it that way. But yeah, she's never like call a priest. There's witchery yeah. afoot. No, not once. She huh. she goes to the witchcraft. She goes to the bookstore for the witchcraft books. She doesn't go there for books about Jesus. And it's interesting, too, because if you think about it, if she's like fully accepting this idea of witchcraft and Satanism, that means that she would still believe in its opposite, which is Christendom. Right. So that means she has some element of faith left, because otherwise she'd be like, <laughs> there's no Satan. I'm not scared. Right. I guess. Hmm. I mean, the occult was pretty popular in the 60s, so maybe, you you know, you didn't have to believe in Jesus to believe in astrology or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, again, like, I, I mean, I don't even see her turning to witchcraft books as having anything to do with religion. Interesting. The only yeah. bits of Catholicism I really see are in her dreams. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, and she passes by that little um, statue of the nativity and stuff later on in the movie where it's got Mary holding the baby Jesus. Yeah. Wearing all blue like Rosemary does through right. like the whole movie. Yeah, and also, you know, a, a, a good allusion to what's coming. She is, you know, Mary's holding the child of, of God and she is going to give birth to the child of Satan. So, similar. <laughs> but again, yeah, just never never does turn to the church that's that's an interesting element to this for me that she just never once even prays or even mentions jesus or something yeah yeah it seems like especially during this time period that would have been exactly what she would have gone to first right yeah huh yeah see that's the thing that i get out of it that i find is an interesting sort of i think mirror held up very deliberately in the face of traditional Christian tradition, especially Old Testament Christian tradition, is like there's so many things in this movie where you're seeing all these men make decision for this this woman and what's to be done with her body. Uh We see that she is this chosen vessel for this conception through this supernatural spiritual being, you know, that she is forced to carry the child of. Uh, And then, I mean, if you want to go like, real dark about it you even see that this this church that is at the head of all this stuff um values the baby that is born of this unwanted unasked for rape yeah more than they care about the suffering of the woman that went through it they still value the child exclusively they don't really care that much about rosemary they don't care about rosemary at all Mm -hmm. but they do care about protecting the life of this unborn child these are all things that are yeah, okay. Kind of Christian Catholic elements. Yeah, you know? you're right. Yeah, those are, it is a very good mirror of of Christianity to, yeah, like, it, it a Christian would be sitting in 1968 watching this going, oh, these people are so evil, but the message is, in fact, that's you. <laughs> that's you. You're that. This yeah. you. <laughs> this you. I don't know, man, but it's like all the all the crazy rituals and stuff that they do in this movie. Um, at the end of the day, like, is it weirder than eating the flesh and blood of the child no. of God after the spring Not equinox? <laughs> like, come Not on, man. <laughs> yeah, I think that it, it has all these religious elements in there not to be like, whoa, Satanism is freaky, no. but to also be like, whoa, like, it's kind of the same thing you guys do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, it's a, that's exactly that probably is the that is the bit of religion in here is is really really biting, cutting, like just saying like you're this is you. Everything you're saying that you fear is the world you've created. Yeah, yeah, and dude, yeah, I think one of the that's most a good just like message. <laughs> aggressively fucked up moments of that in the whole movie is like as she is being raped by the devil she is approached by I I think it's the Pope Mm -hmm. and asks this man's forgiveness for what is happening for for what's Uh going on and it's like happening to her yeah yeah exactly that she had nothing to do with that she did not ask for and she is she fucking kisses the ring of the Pope while Mm -hmm. being raped by the devil yeah like that entire situation, I think, is just there to be like, look how women just get, really get fucking trampled in the whole yep. mess of 
organized religion. <laughs> yeah, they sure do. It's yeah, it's not it's not really changing much uh in the more orthodox churches like say Catholicism or uh Mormonism, places where the rules don't change very regularly. Yeah. Um they're not making room for women to be leaders and things that that's not happening there's mm-hmm. no no change in those things so yeah it's um it's still very archaic it's it's never going to change honestly if it's like like if catholicism changes then why were you a catholic like if if they're like oh we we were doing it wrong this whole time <laughs> never mind then it's like well what the fuck was i listening to you for the only reasoning behind listening to you is that you are the only people who know the rules <laughs> i thought you were right what the hell right so you'd have to be right about them so if you admit that you're wrong which they can't do if you admit that you're wrong you undercut the entire idea of the church so they're never going to be progressive in their relationships with women. It's always going to be that. So they have to be uprooted and destroyed. No more religions. We get rid of them. <laughs> I do love that this movie goes straight to Satan, though. Yeah, like, it does. As it's I just mentioned like before, pure like, Satan. <laughs> I think because I just grew up so religious and stuff that like when I see it represented just very bald-faced in a movie where it's just like fucking Satan or even like payment uh-huh. in... Uh, uh-huh. in uh, hereditary and stuff. Yeah, there's still just kind of that vestigial part of my brain that like gets spooked out. <laughs> See, so I, I like that this wasn't I just some weird devil that. cult, but I like I get it. Yeah, I get yeah. that about you. Yeah, I don't have that, and I in I but I the thing is we like the same thing for different reasons. Totally. I yeah. just I like I like whenever it's a demon or something like that or some actual Lovecraftian horror or something like that. Like. I like when it is an actual presence. That really adds something to me where evil is this personified being. That's fun. I don't know why that I enjoy that so much, but the idea the idea of the devil to me, like I I think the I love Black Philip is the best representation of the devil because to Hell me yeah. I don't get the fright factor. I don't get like if if you could if you're like basically the idea is you're talking to somebody who uh has almost the same powers as god but he's he's also cool with you fucking and he can hook you up with some butter and a pretty yeah. dress and show you the world <laughs> can't be like, in this dude's not scary he sounds fun he sounds cool <laughs> like, i'm interested in knowing more about that so no doubt. yeah i i like i like movies with devils and stuff too but different reason dude kind of on the on the subject of you know rosemary's complete lack of bodily autonomy mm-hmm. i think that 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 is represented in very overt ways like obviously with her being raped by the devil yeah um but even in more subtle ways where she doesn't even have control of who enters her home where right you know like they've just moved into this place the doorbell is ringing every damn day and like mm-hmm. Their neighbors, and then all, like Miss Apperstein and like that Coke bottle 
you know, Glass's <laughs> friend of hers come in. Yes. It's like, hey, we're coming to hang out. They sit down like they fucking own the place and just start knitting. Like, Ugh. she can't even keep people out of her house, much less the devil out her body. Like, she is invaded at every fucking possible corner of this movie. Yeah, yeah. I love that lady with the Coke bottle glasses, too. She's one of the uh, <laughs> strangest characters in the whole movie, because she's like... dude. She's, like, full of, like, you know, the, just, like, this childishness to her. Yeah. <laughs> and she's kind of an asshole. Dude, that's the thing. Like, in this movie, there are these, like, tiny glimpses of humor in it. Yeah. Especially during really fucked up parts uh -huh. that are so just, like, subtle and funny. Like, they're at the very end of the movie whenever, you know, Rosemary walks in on the, the fucking satanic party and stuff, and she's rocking the cradle and... Rosemary goes over and she's like, you're rocking it too fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, Roman, you know, tells Coke bottle glasses lady to leave. And as she's leaving, she like sticks her tongue out at him, like raspberries <laughs> in a little bit. Yeah. Because it shows like, yeah, these people are Satanists, but they're also just normal people. Like, yeah. to me, one of the funniest moments that embodies that too, like uh, Miss Cassavetti, 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 there we go. Fuck, man. It's, it's confusing because dude's name is Cassavetti. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking hard to say. Yeah. Castavet, Mrs. Mm -hmm. C, as I call her. Oh, Mrs. C. Mrs. C. You know, there's that part uh, that we saw way earlier in the movie where Roman spills some of that that vodka blush or whatever on the carpet, mm -hmm. and she's like dabbing at it and stuff. I love that scene where, again, at the very end of the movie, Rosemary walks in. She's got the knife. She drops the knife, and it sticks into the wood floors. Uh huh. And Mrs. C like goes over there, pulls the knife out, and like kind of like prods at the area of the floor that's been scuffed by the knife that just went in the floor. Mm -hmm. It's just like those super subtle, like, okay, she's a Satanist. She's in the room with Antichrist baby and stuff right now, but God damn it, she just put a fucking ding in my floor. <laughs> These things don't take care of themselves. She's a practical woman. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I, I also like um, uh, everything about Roman Castavet. I love yeah. everything he's wearing the first time we see him. What the like, fuck is he wearing out there on awesome. the street, dude? It's awesome. It is like just insane. Like bright red pants, like just a checkered uh jacket. It it was all over the place and awesome. And that guy's voice is amazing. <laughs> he either looks like he just got done running a shift on his ice cream truck, or he's Macklemore. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been popping some tags. That's probably it. <laughs> uh, and then also we got that we got Ruth Gordon always dressed in uh, mini, always dressed Lurid in super colors. bright colors. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I Ruth feel like Gordon, they're kind of this this hyper exaggeration of nosy neighbors. Yeah, like your obnoxious yeah. nosy ass city neighbors. Yeah. Ruth Gordon does such a great job. Like she, she's, she's amazing. Like a mile a minute. Like I, I don't know, like how like any. I don't know if anybody could have captured just perfect nosy neighbor any better. Like she did it so great. Uh, just love every moment with her being annoying and always being there. She's she's really fun. But like seemingly meaning well too, you know where it's yeah, like she does. He does seem to she's mean well. shoving down yeah. these stupid, disgusting looking drinks down her throat and making yeah. her these stupid, ugly, nasty looking snack cakes and stuff. But it's like it seems like she's 
meaning well. And yeah. in reality, she is meaning well because she's trying sort to of, tend yeah. to the person <laughs> yeah. Antichrist. So exactly. She is meaning well, just not how you think she is. <laughs> Hooking up girls with their stinky necklaces yeah. full of nasty old roots. Yeah. I, and, you know, the, so, yeah, the, the neighbors, great. Uh, also, uh, Ralph Bellamy as Dr. Abraham Saperstein is is great and just everybody dude does a good job of both he they they cast well because everybody just has a good face everybody has a good character face i can't help but feel like stanley kubrick in real life based his character off of dr saperstein in this movie (laughs) (laughs) where he's just like i'm just gonna be this like fat bearded guy i don't even look at people when i talk to him i just talk down to him like i'm way smarter than them and stuff dude the way that he just completely fucking shuts down rosemary through the whole movie he is such a intimidating dismissive presence in this flick dude like when he's like you're not gonna read books what are you doing trying to read books you're not gonna talk to your friends like this Uh, is all like major patriarchy shit yeah but because he's a doctor because he's an authority figure you have to trust him i feel like exactly the the role of the elder or the authority figure deserving trust and deserving respect unnecessarily is a huge part of this too because i mean the entire satanist bunch is just a bunch of fucking old people people, yeah Uh uh-huh and but, like, immediately Guy is like, I want to get to know these people. These people are fucking cool. They're old. They're old. Old people know stuff. <laughs> yeah. Old people are fun to hang out with. Yeah, I, I think that is that is interesting that, like, it it makes it suspicious, like, the why Guy wants to keep having these people over. Like, they're not the same age, which is why, you know, she has that party where she has over people all the same age, and it's... It's like which guy totally poo-poos and stuff. Yeah, he's terrible about it, of course. I mean, the the way that they do some real, uh, just good subtle setups, like as you said, Ruth Gordon, Minnie is she's she's very much seemingly meaning well, but you can also see how she's annoying. But like, you're not very suspicious of her most of the time. Uh, same with you know the doctor, like he's being a dick and everything. But you're just thinking like, oh, that's, I mean, that's how doctors talked to women, I would imagine, in the 60s. Dr. Dick. Yeah, I mean, he's a fucking dick, but you don't suspect that he's a Satanist at first. Like, it it really is a, a good bit of, like, these people, a lot of their character is just that they picked people with unique faces and stuff and then gave them just enough character that they they pop off the page so like you know the the tongue sticking out and stuff like that just enough that they're all different but you're also they're always sort of innocuous they're not really like they're old people you're not really worried about them yeah totally yeah and like i said they just seem so perfectly ordinary in a lot of ways you know yeah yeah it's really well done draws you into that world very well i think another star of this movie has to be the sound design and i think whenever you think about the audio portion of this movie you think about yeah the creepy la 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 opening song and stuff la 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 that's uh mia farrow la la yeah it is Mm -hmm. that's right uh you think about those elements and stuff and the soundtrack of this movie otherwise isn't all that huge but some of the sound design stuff like the aforementioned thing where i talked about where the nun sounds like she's really far away when she's talking and then also too like 
how unnerving that constantly ticking clock gets. Uh huh. In the really fucked up scenes, man, alive, dude. It's just, it's like it lets you know that like something really fucked up is about to happen. Yeah. Uh, very unnerving sound design in this movie, and I think it just lends to the overall claustrophobic atmosphere of this flick. I mean, there's so many shots and stuff in here where she seems kind of dwarfed by this apartment, dwarfed by these male figures that are around her all the time, and plus she's just such a a tiny little woman anyway. Yeah. Uh, you get this very enclosed claustrophobic feel because yeah. she's not really leaving the home much at all, barely yeah. at all. Yeah, she's at home most of the time unless she goes to a doctor's office, basically, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Mia Farrow, man, she d- really does an amazing job of she pulling off this role where she is, as we said, an intelligent person in this situation where she might not even have the world experience to know how taken advantage of she is right and her very ambiguous strange accent <laughs> yeah she's got <laughs> she's got that sort of mid-atlantic accent that a lot of uh a lot of actors and actresses had in the 50s and 60s that it's just like where is that supposed to be from <laughs> yeah totally it like yeah. reminds me of that time that madonna had an english accent for a little while <laughs> yeah kind of like that yeah exactly uh yeah, her accent is is interesting. Mia Farrow, awesome in this. Uh, she got delivered divorce papers from Frank Sinatra while filming because he didn't. What want a nice her. guy! He didn't want no wife of his working. That fifty year old <laughs> man married to a twenty one year old. <sighs> there is a, <sighs> a shocking amount of like age different situation going on in regards to this movie <laughs> like too yeah. many too many weird age different situations um but yeah she, she does she does an amazing job in this she was already you know kind of an it girl she was in Peyton Place which was a popular TV show and but it, this was kind of her first big role uh she had done some some British movies. In fact, she was in a movie that the title of this and the fact that it is a spy, a British spy thriller is the most British thing ever. It's called (laughs) A Dandy in Aspic. (laughs) That is actually the most Brit thing I've ever heard. Ever. A, I can't think of anything dandy else. In Aspic. I'm going to have to check that out because, boy, it sounds like quite a thriller. Sounds uh, thrilling. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, she she was uh, actually not even their first, uh, the first person they went for. They wanted either Tuesday Weld or Sharon Tate for the role. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. At this point, uh, the child rapist Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate were yeah were they, they married were, they were uh, engaged at this time okay. and so Sharon Tate as a possibility here's the thing Tuesday Welder Sharon Tate they're not uh, they're not tiny like Mia Farrow so it would have actually had a different feel to it yeah because they would have been yeah grown women being treated like children versus somebody who's a grown woman that. Looks very young yeah. and very childlike, being treated like a child the whole yeah. movie. Yeah, so I I think Mia Farrow was the better choice. It definitely was a better way to go because the the physical difference between her and everyone else calls out the fact that she's being treated like a child. The way they dress her 
calls out that fact that she's being infantilized. So I think not only does she nail the role, but I think it was a really good job of casting for sure. Yeah, no doubt, man. And dude, Mia Farrow, it's so insane that in this movie, she gave birth to the Antichrist. And then later on in that Omen remake, she was the nanny of the Antichrist, of Damien. It's all for you. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that is cool. Hogan, uh, Hogan, that was a good choice. Hogan, Hogan. So cool. <laughs> and what is the deal with her just like really attracting the absolute worst species of yeah. men yeah. in her entire life? Why? Yeah. Why did this happen? I don't know. Um, but I, though I, I can guess that, say, a Woody Allen, who uh, is also a... Uh, well yeah child child rapist is that what we would say i mean he i guess if you marry your adopted daughter it's technically not rape right i mean the thing is though is you've also got to remember like this is the guy that made that movie manhattan which is all about glorifying an adult having a relationship yeah. with a 17 year old high school student like, yeah so. and we we know from uh ronan pharaoh and uh, you know that that we he's he's a child rapist like he's terrible and that's probably why he was attracted to me pharaoh though because of this child look that she can I pull off wonder and it really grosses me out a yeah lot. me too me too a whole lot yeah so, Ugh. why are there so many creepy dudes? Uh, why are so many of those creepy dudes also creatives? What? Yeah, this is one of those things that, you know, th- this is where you really get into this extremely gray area, extremely sticky wicket. Sometimes a very black and white area. Sometimes, you know? yeah. At times it's a very black and white area. Um, and... Honestly, I I don't have an answer as as to how to navigate this yeah. because if I mean, you look into many of the great works of almost anything, there's yeah. probably somebody that contributed to it that did some extremely fucked up stuff. Like maybe yeah. If you love the Beatles and think of them as Ooh, angels, don't yeah. don't go digging up dirt on John Lennon and stuff, man. Yeah, because you'll find out real quick. He's not a good guy. Not yeah, Stairway to Heaven is the greatest rock song of all time, but <laughs> man alive. There I mean, you you don't even have to fucking dig to find out fucked up stuff about Led Zeppelin that yeah. yeah. You really makes you reconsider the value yeah. of of some of the work. It's such yeah. a hard thing to define and to know how to navigate. I think that at the end of the day once we know something about somebody once we know that someone has for sure done something heinous. Yeah. Everyone in their industry and in their lives should have the dignity, the self-respect and the respect for the lives of others and victims that person has created to not have anything to do with them. Right. After we found out that Victor Salva was a, convicted child molester he shouldn't have gotten to fucking work anymore right everyone should say no right same with uh roman polanski he's made movies since then dude and even even after he got you know um banned from re-entering the well he wasn't banned he'll just be arrested if if he he comes here here. he'll be arrested yeah yeah and 
his name was like going to get dropped from the, I don't know, whatever, Screenwriters Guild, whatever, one of those big fancy Hollywood things. And uh-huh. we had all these directors and stuff, including like fucking Wes Anderson and Martin Scorsese and all these other people write in letters yeah. begging for his name not to be besmirched. And it's like, no, you should have the fucking respect yep. to say, yeah, this person made a good movie, but he shouldn't get to fucking work anymore and I won't have anything to do with him. I, I- won't work with him anymore. I mean, sincerely, if somebody is like, well, I need to know all the details, they're all out there. (laughs) Like, this is not one of those he said, she said things. This is one of those he did, got convicted, and then escaped the country. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. You you, Jumping to defend him, uh, I came up with a voice for those people and it's probably one of the most hateable things i've ever <laughs> produced uh let me just see if i can see if you can muster it let up. me see, see if, if i can, can muster it, it. <clears throat> oh, oh. <laughs> <clears throat> all right here we go this is the voice everyone has when they defend roman polanski Oh, don't talk bad about Roman Polanski. <laughs> His movies, they're so good. Oh, I love Roman Polanski. <laughs> That's exactly what they sound like. Yeah. You are right. Yeah. <laughs> That pretty so well nailed that, it, man. That's my answer to anybody who's like, but what about his body of work? <laughs> what about his body of work? <laughs> <laughs> that's what you sound like now. Yeah, who gives a shit about <laughs> his body of work? He's a child yeah. rapist. Yeah. The exactly. end. Fuck him. Exactly. And it's one of those deals where, and, and again, it's like, I don't know where to draw the line. I cannot yeah. even remotely confess to say, this is where the area right. of, of moral grayness ends. Because, like, I'll tell you this, like, I never want to watch The Cosby Show again. No. Because I feel like Bill Cosby and his entire persona that he represented was just a fucking lie. Like, but I feel like he yeah. lied to me, you know? But it's really easy to, to you know, throw the work of, you know, again, like Victor Salvo's Jeepers Creepers. It's right. so easy to just completely discard that because, for one, oh, yeah. that movie sucks anyway. Yeah, fuck that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then also the message is so embedded in that movie. It's yeah. like it's it's inseparable. It you know? It's almost like a, there, yeah. a, a stand-up comedian that gets busted doing some really fucked up stuff. It's like that's a one-man show. His art is the one person Right. producing it you know and like so I said, it's easy to say make a movie okay he's fucked up not gonna pay attention to him yeah, yeah. exactly but the the waters get murkier yeah, sometimes the more people, people that are working involved. on it yeah <laughs> yeah exactly because yeah. it's the kind of thing where okay i'll put it this way as far as like this particular movie this particular story of rosemary's baby goes this isn't a Roman Polanski story. He cannot take credit for any of the story. The story was he already right there in the, the book. Screenplay credit, but he 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 himself really was just taking directly from the book. It is so very much the book. Quincy Jones wrote all the Michael Jackson songs that we love. So okay, all right, all you know right. it's like we we have you know scattered very bad things about. Michael Jackson's personal mm-hmm. life that yeah. have turned many people away uh, right. from from listening to his music, and I totally get it. I totally yep. understand. Um, but at the same time, it's like fucking Pyt comes on. That song's still a jam. Yeah, also, Michael, Michael Jackson's, Jackson's voice was it. an instrument, and the songs aren't about his desires. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'll put it to you this way, too. This movie that was directed by the child rapist, Roman Polanski, uh-huh. is nothing about his his own no. uh, desires and stuff. It's nothing about that. It does not yeah. have a, that voice in this. And also, too, I mean, I'll put this out there. What if Quincy Jackson, or sorry, Quincy, Quincy Jones, Jones uh-huh. wrote all those same songs and Stevie Wonder did them? Yeah. They'd be fucking kick-ass. Yeah. They still would be kick-ass. That's true. Yeah. The songs are kick-ass because of the music, Quincy Jones, and of course, Michael Jackson's voice, but Stevie Wonder's got a great voice, too. Yeah, like, he could have done it, too. Yeah. Like, to me, when I watch this movie, and I think if this would have been directed by, uh, fuck, what's his name? The guy that did The Omen. It still would have turned out great if this would have been directed by... The guy that uh, did Stan- The Omen. <laughs> yeah, Stanley Kubrick. Like, if this would have been directed by Stanley Kubrick, would have been Who's fucking the guy amazing. That did the Omen, goddammit. It's driving know, me crazy it, now that you It's like a said super it. real. I got to get Fuzzbeat on that one, get him to work that out. Fuzzbeat, to work with you. Uh, Fuzzbeat's telling me it was uh, Richard Donner. Old Dick Donner. Richard, of course. Dick yeah. Donner, of course. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, the story of Rosemary's Baby that Ira Levin wrote is strong enough on its own that. It didn't need Roman Polanski to make this a good movie. No, it you know didn't. what I mean? It didn't. He obviously did a good job with it. But Yeah, totally. I'm the, not saying he didn't. The production design like leave the production designer, the you know, everything else the same. Like you could have a different director and this could still be great. Yeah. I so, think so. So yeah. maybe that's why I have an easier time separating myself yeah. from the director here because I know that that director isn't 100% of this movie. Right. You know, it's not like yeah. this is his pride and joy, his brainchild. Right. He was the guy behind the camera and he had some yeah. good ideas to add on top of something that was already great that I already yeah. would have loved regardless of who was behind the camera. Again, do you like fucking PYT is just as badass of a song? Yeah. No matter who's singing it, you know? Um, and, and already I'm just wondering, maybe Quincy didn't write PYT, but you get damn well what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I do get damn well what you mean. So yeah, it's, while it is a difficult, uh, thing to navigate, like, you know, what level of dirtbag is, is, is enough of a dirtbag? Like, you know, Axl Rose is an asshole, but. Oh, he's a piece of shit, dude. I, I'm sure he's done so many horrible, horrible yeah. things to women of all ages throughout his career. Probably, but we don't know about them. So all we know is he's an asshole. We, we know very, very specifically uh, what Roman Polanski has done, and we know very specifically, uh, you know, its relationship to this movie. And I think we both can agree that we can separate Roman Polanski from this film and give this film uh, a rating unrelated to Roman Polanski's crimes. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. Because, again, this is an Ira Levin story. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I still do, uh, I still, you know, have to admit, like, we wouldn't have ever chosen to do this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it was yeah. something that I always was just like, oh, if, if somebody wants us to do it, if it gets drawn, we'll do it. But I'm never going to rush to do a Roman Polanski movie. Uh, and it's specifically because you have to clash with this a lot. And then it's like, I, I really, I really prefer being able to look at what we're, we're rating as a work by itself. And this makes it difficult, but I think, I think I can, 
So if we're if we're if we're there, if we're at rating, I, I think I'm ready. What oh, you think? You're ready. You're gonna drop a number on this bad boy. I think in terms of this movie, I will give Roman Polanski a zero yeah, out of a million. Absolutely. Zero for Roman Polanski. And I think that no one should stick up for him or choose to work with him ever again. I think that once you do these things, you should be fucking blacklisted. That's just that's just a fact. And, you know, he had a really fucked up life. Not at all even remotely stepping into excusing his actions. No. At all. I mean, you told me earlier he was a Holocaust survivor. Obviously, he had his wife and unborn child murdered by a cult. Like, yep. holy fucking shit. His life has been fucking crazy. Yep. But if that's the situation, a person needs to be given help, not a position of power and not a position <laughs> right. where they could <laughs> abuse the position of power that they have found themselves in. They right. should not be given that. They should be given help. Um, rehabilitation, whatever that might mean. I'm not yeah. even going to define what that means exactly, but yeah. they shouldn't be given power. That's sure. I think that's the best way to kind of think about it, you know? Yeah. So I'll give him a zero as a human being, but man, this, this movie is really, really cool. It is. It's a slow burn. It has Satan. It, it has conspiratorial elements which we know i i always love whenever yeah, me too i love oh, that man. yeah anytime somebody finds themselves at the center of a web of conspiracy i think it's the fucking scariest thing so this movie does push a lot of my fear buttons i think that it's amazing and relevant and sad that there's all these issues in this movie about women's rights and women's rights to their own bodies and their own feelings about their own bodies whether that be what they want to eat oh. or what they want to do with their hair or here's another one we didn't I forgot even yeah address, we forgot man. to talk about that yeah the hair yeah that that yeah which is awesome pixie haircut she's great oh yeah she looks adorable but then he's like an absolute asshole about it yeah and then also too it's like this is again another one of those areas where i think the whole patriarchal thing that runs through this whole movie um is extremely extremely strong she's like i have all these fucking scratches all over my body i had a dream i was being raped by the devil mm -hmm. and her husband is like he's silly goose i was raping you it's fine oh yeah how did <laughs> like, we forget holy that fuck right Steve, that is, a, that here's is the central thing, man. to this <laughs> what you gotta understand and remember is that spousal rape right yeah wasn't made illegal in all 50 states until, I think it was 1993. Yeah. There was no being raped by your spouse. Yeah. You could not say no. No. If you were married to that person. That is insane. Holy shit. Like, that's what he does to try and comfort her. You weren't being raped by the devil. It was just your husband. It's fine. Yeah. It's fun in a necrophile kind of way. Like, yeah. how is this comforting? I, yeah, <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Cause like, Ugh. yeah, watching it through the first time, I had completely forgot that it existed. And I guess my yeah. brain just keeps yeeting it out. Just like, get the fuck <laughs> like, out of here. Ugh. Do yeah. not remember that. <laughs> yeah. Erase, erase, erase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah really fucked up but but like i said to me it's insane that here we are fucking 50 years after this yeah and we are still talking about the very real possibility of the supreme court being overturned by conservatives that could potentially overturn roe v wade what they the could. fuck are we doing they sure could and why uh, the fuck don't women all want someone 
up there swinging the bat for them. When are you going to get tired of men making all the decisions about your fucking body? Ugh, drives me insane. Yeah. It's, and that's, that's uh, Democrats uh, and Republicans. I'm not just pinning yeah. that on conservatives. No, yeah. It, it, no, it's absolutely true that uh, there are people out there that just, if they don't feel like they are, you know, uh, being stopped from doing anything they want to do, they just don't see how it could be a problem in anyone's life like yeah if they feel like they're getting like every opportunity they want then how how is anyone having a problem i don't understand like <laughs> but it it's also like you said about like her uh like uh rosemary's mindset like so many of these people don't know there are other options yeah so like they don't even know that they could support something more like it's it's it, it's terrible the society we've put it together it cobbled together with just bullshit and spit it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense we're gonna have no. to work on it <laughs> but i think the way that this movie covers those issues especially at that time period was profoundly progressive um especially wrapping religion and and satan and catholicism and stuff into it too is incredibly bold this must have made a lot of waves when it was released i can only imagine because i feel like even if it came out today there's a woman getting raped by the devil like that's mm, that's news yeah that's that news right seem there like, yeah, it seemed like somebody at the very least at fox news would raise an eyebrow yeah <laughs> and like i said i love the the claustrophobic camera stuff i love the setting uh just that grime and stuff that we were talking about and the performances by everybody are are fantastic and i especially think yeah, the role of Guy is every bit as impressive and noteworthy as uh, Rosemary herself, I think, in a lot of ways. So I think it's really a fucking incredible movie. Uh, I will watch it again. I I have no reason to ever refer to it as anything other than Ira Levin's Rosemary's Baby right. because this yeah. is his story. Yep. And uh, fuck Roman Polanski, the child rapist. <laughs> yep. So if I'm putting a number on this, it's high. I think this is probably like a nine for me. I really yeah. like this movie a lot. Yeah, I think that's fair. I uh, I agree with you. Uh, zero for the child rapist Roman Polanski. Duh. But uh, this this movie is so good. It's a really really great movie. Well acted. Uh, the the way that everything plays out, the way everything slowly revealed, the the message is like the way that it's it's definitely addressing very very strongly these issues and uh yeah as, as you said just coming out in 1968 in a time where you know a, a movie about the a devil baby is a pretty wild concept and it made a lot of money. It got a lot of attention. It got a lot of like award nominations. Like this is the type of movie that definitely would have ruffled some feathers, but those feathers that got ruffled obviously paid for tickets because this led to the exorcist and, and all those other things. People wanted more of this type of thing. Yeah. So I, I, I just really enjoy it. I really love it. I, I think, uh, you know Mia Farrow so great in it it's um probably one of the one of the most uh like strongest weak performances like she's supposed to be weak throughout 
but like she, she comes at it so strong that mm-hmm. throughout you never really you never really root against rosemary you're always yeah. on her side right you're like, you don't reach her. that point where you're like fucking you dumbass fucking get yeah. out do something like you never exactly. really hit that point yeah yeah exactly you, she you're always with her you're always like you know on the same level of suspicion or whatever so i i think she does such a great job but yeah you're right this is high um yeah, nine sounds right. Nine sounds yeah. good to me. I think uh, I'd give this a nine. It's uh, it's infinitely rewatchable. Like even when you know the twist, which most everybody's been born after 1980 probably knows the twist. Uh, even when you know the twist, still a great movie. Yeah, still a great flick, man. Totally, totally agree. Yeah, and um. I don't think that we'll be revisiting Roman Polanski, the child rapist, yeah. again on the show. Yeah, because I mean, everything else he did is really his. that good. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so it's like, I don't really want to talk about yeah. Ninth Gate or any of that stuff. No. So, yeah, it's probably one and done. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'll tell you, if you like this movie and you like those themes of bodily autonomy and mm-hmm. patriarchal society and stuff like that, it's so weird that I just happened to have watched that Swallow movie that I talked about like two weeks ago on the show. Oh, right. Uh, maybe even just last week. I wrote that down. Yeah. Still haven't watched that. Dude, like after watching that and then watching this, this is the first time in several years that I've watched Rosemary, Rosemary's Baby. The themes between these two movies are so similar, it's crazy. It never brings religion into it. That's really the biggest difference between this movie and Rosemary's Baby. Um, is that it never brings God or Satan or anything into there. Oh, okay. Really fascinating movie that takes on these same themes, I think, in a very different way. So check out Swallow. Watch okay. the trailer for it. And if you're not intrigued, maybe it's not for you. But I know that I watched the trailer, and I was like, yeah, we got to watch this. So right, check cool. it out if you want more of this kind of thing that, as far as I know, is not made by a child rapist. <laughs> let's, let's, fingers crossed all right no more movies fingers crossed yeah please please well you guys be sure to tune into the show next week we're going to be kicking off the kind of you know early halloween season here with a with a bang and i'm going to tell you what movie that is after you go on apple podcast or anywhere else you can review podcasts and write a quick review for the show keep them g-rated or they won't get posted rate us five stars if you want to help us out really does help us land in those search engines and stuff so doesn't cost a dime doesn't take but just a minute go in there and rate and review steve where can they support us on patreon and stuff uh patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely head on (laughs) over there get on over we got uh, what is it, like seven uh, uh, mini-sodes up there. We got uh, all sorts of uh, opportunities to potentially choose what movies we cover. Because not only do we randomly choose movies, but also when we're looking for what movies we're going to do, we look at the movies in the bowl because they're the movies you guys want to hear us talk about. So uh, become a Patreon patron. You get to help drive this car. That's right, you dude. You can follow us on Instagram and stuff and uh-huh. stay in touch with our hijinks and shenanigans. Yep, Instagram.com. Uh, ugh, fucking shit. <laughs> <Every> ins- <laughs> what? That's the one. Don't go to Instagram. Instagram.com. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> uh, at Dead Lovely on in- uh, at Dead Lovely Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, yeah, head on over there. Now, can they get that on their Cricket phone? Can they get that on Cricket? I think on Cricket, yeah, you gotta um, you gotta go to Walmart and you gotta get them to the enable 
the Instagram.com <laughs> app. Ask your grandkids. They'll know about it. They'll know all about it. Yep. Uh, also, uh, Facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely. We got a great group over there. Super fun yeah, we all do. the time. Mm-hmm. We've got a and, lot of new uh, people signing up lately. Streaming chat. Go. Yeah. Uh, just listen. We're all over the place. Just be with us. Hang with us. Chat with us. Give us your money. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, whatever. We're cool. We'll go with it. We'll just go mm-hmm. with it, okay? <laughs> and be sure to tune into the show next week where we are once again going to be entering the turf of the Deadites, the world of yes. Evil Dead, as we talk about the only one that we have left other than the Ash versus the Evil Dead series. We're going to be talking about the Evil Dead remake from 2013, which is directed by... Who did that? Uh, I don't know how to say his name. If it's... if. It, is it Fade Alvarez or Fide Alvarez? Don't know. I'll I think it's Fide out. Alvarez, yeah. Okay. I'll find out for sure before we record the episode so that I'm not annoying the shit out of everyone saying the wrong <laughs> name. I'm so excited to watch it because it is just fucking brutal. Yeah. I think it's got to be some of the farthest they ever took an R rating in American movies. I mean, oh, it's for brutal. sure, yeah. It is brutal. It is brutal. Yeah. And not uh, at all what I expected, but also so pleasantly surprised by it. I remember when it came out. Yeah, man. I hope mm-hmm. that it holds up and stuff because, yeah. I mean, you know, as listeners of the show know, we do love us some Evil Dead, and we've oh, only yeah. started to love them even more after doing them on the show, so... Mm-hmm. Hopefully this one will stand the test of time. I also want to remind you guys, we've got early voting season starting up. Mm -hmm. Go vote. Register to vote. My saying is, if you don't vote, you can't gloat. Okay? No. You can't gloat. No gloating. No vote. No gloat. No no vote. No gloat. No vote. No goat as well. They're giving away goats this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a new thing. That's nice. That's yeah. pretty fun. You go vote, and they give you a goat that has a shirt on that says, I voted. And then you can gloat. Then you can gloat all you want. <laughs> That's right. So don't forget. Go out there, make a change, see what you can do. It's free. It's your right as an American. Fucking do it, okay? And be sure to tune in next week for Evil Dead 2013. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. You guys have been fantastic. And if you got some more thoughts on, yeah, separating art from artists... Uh, And that kind of thing, the works of monstrous men, you could say. Be sure to let us know your thoughts over there in that Facebook uh, group and stuff, because it's such a gray, weird area that I'm still trying to navigate myself. Yep. That having any any other outside opinion might help me understand this more and help me out with this. So if you have some more perspective that we didn't cover that you think should be addressed... Let us know. Don't let us live in ignorance. Don't let us be dum-dums. We're on the internet. We don't want to be worldwide dum-dums. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I just have such a limited view on it because I've only ever been a consumer. I've never been the victim of a monster that makes great work. So my viewpoint is extremely limited. You know what I mean? Yeah, same. Yeah. So, yeah, let Let us us know. know. Update Mm -hmm. us. And be sure to tune in next week. We'll be talking about Evil Dead. Thank you guys so much for listening. You guys have been fantastic. I've been Uncle Ben. I've been Hollywood Steve. We're dead and lovely. Bye. Bye. So this week I've really been picturing this scene where it's like, you know, it's, Maybe maybe late 1968 production on this movie and stuff is wrapping up. Right. 
we got a guy that comes into an office that is, uh, you know, we got like an overworked composer in there. He's got his music notes mm-hmm. just all over the place. He's working on a bunch of different soundtracks and stuff. He's up to his eyeballs at work. And this guy's like, hey, Johnson, what do you got for this song to open up to Rosemary's Baby? You got some lyrics working up for this thing yet? What do you got? And the guy in a panic is like, um, la, 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 la. Johnson, you're a genius. <laughs> Sold, Johnson. Damn it. You get a raise. It's brilliant. It's spooky. It sounds like a kid. Polanski's going to love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yes. And scene. 